Showers, question for you. Yes. Do you wait for them to get warm before you get in? Oh, or absolutely. Or do you get in and then turn it on and just let the cold rain down on you? And no. No, actually, I'm I'm the worst. I get I, I wait for it to get warm enough for me to be able to stand it. And then I get in and I wait until my body has fully adapted. And then I turn it up. And then I wait again and I turn it up. <laughs> I wait again and I turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I I shift the heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like six times throughout an entire shower. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Checks out, checks out. Okay. What what's uh I feel like there's a story here though. So when I turn the shower, I have like my loofah or whatever washcloth type thing of course. that I wash myself with. But so I get in the shower, mm-hmm. but then I hold it up against the shower head and so the water doesn't actually fall on me yeah yeah so i'm kind of like a hybrid between the two because i'm not <laughs> outside of the shower okay but then i was just i was just curious if i'm an outlier like yeah i feel like go go on our facebook people, group and and let us know in the comments when we <laughs> post this episode are you a uh, warm up in the shower or are you a wait till it gets gets warm enough Type of person. Right. I feel like most people are a weight. Mm-hmm. I feel like socially, it's <laughs> like, why aren't you in the shower? It's like, oh, I'm waiting for it to warm up. I'm like, hurry up. Socially? I don't know. I don't socially know. with your wife and your dog? Socially, like, like if you're taking a shower at your friend's place mm-hmm. or because like, you're like staying there for a week, like I'm going to next month or sure. like random just conversationally i don't know i don't know it's literally something i think about every time i start the shower so (laughs) i refuse to be the only one (laughs) now you will think of it too okay (laughs) oh hey look will wouldn't get be in the fucking shower yet at this point i don't know yeah i i never would have thought of that unless you brought it up but now now i will be now i will be yeah i I will be monitoring your shower activities when you're when you're at our place (laughs) you're gonna hear hear the fucking thing close and you're like he finally got in i'm gonna have a fucking stopwatch i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna buy a physical stopwatch and then and you'll hear the click Oh my gosh. You waited five extra seconds this time. Yep. Mm. Got a ding there. Should we start the show? Yeah, let's start the show. This is Hype is My Superpower. It's a podcast where me, Steve Storman, and my co-host here, William Freeland. We talk about all the things that are getting us hyped because hype, we're, we're, we're particularly good at it in maybe a supernatural sort of sense. There are things that get us hyped. Yeah. We're reading comic books this week, as we often do. We'll continuing on current Marvel 616 trade paperbacks and me going through my Quixotic quest to read every single X-Men comic ever, which has me stuck in the doldrums of 1998. Oof. Well, dude, we're catching up. We're, we're catching, catching up. up. Dude. We're doing good. 
super random segue, but it's going to make sense. So okay. <laughs> on my Twitch, I am cataloging my comic book collection. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've never been able to answer the question, how dude, many? geez, how many comics do you have? Yeah. I'm like, I don't. I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. <laughs> so this is my quest. But do you have like a spreadsheet? Are you writing? Are you writing them all down? Are you making like a, a database? I'm logging list? it on a collection, a, like a book tracking. Oh, cool, cool, website. Cool. Yeah. So I'm because I tags. could also see you making your own like SQL database, but <laughs> well, so I was ready to. Yeah. <laughs> like if I couldn't find something that was good enough. Yeah. Then that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Because I wanted something that listed the number of issues of comics are in each TP, which mm. is not happening. So, right. And it's not, it, it's an inconsistent thing as well. Like, you know, each TP can be anywhere from like three to eight issues. Yeah. And then there's the whole like material from, Free Comic Book Day 2020. Oh, God. Yeah. And so, because yep, yep. it's not the entire issue. Marvel like Now, right pages. now, point one now extended. <laughs> yeah. Dot zero one dot EX. So, I originally tried a comic book tracking system and it wasn't great for TPs. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing system for issues. Sure. But, like, doing my crossover shelf, Mm -hmm. about at the time it was like 80 books yeah the comic book database didn't have like four of them (laughs) which was obnoxious (laughs) from a princess standpoint so (laughs) you you being the princess yeah yes so i'm doing this other one called library thing or is library thing or library things I mean, technically, it really doesn't matter, but now I want to know. It's library thing, no S. Okay. And it's connected to, like, hundreds of book databases all over the place, including, like, Amazon. And, yeah, you just put in the ISBN. And then it also has an app. And so you Mm -hmm. can scan the barcodes for just adding them on. It's super smooth, super easy. And so one of the tags that I add on is the number of issues. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm doing like a whole process. So sure. the tags I'm using are number of issues, the name of the crossover that it's involved <laughs> with, if it needs Excellent. one. Excellent, yeah. And then I'm labeling all of my boxes that are in storage. And so mm. with those that's smart. Uh, as one of the tags, awesome. And then you can add them to different collections. And that's where I have the lists for crossover shelf, nice. recommendation shelf, yeah, storage. Laundry room. Those are the four <laughs> places that I've got uh-huh. books. Point is, I just finished the recommendation bookshelf yesterday. Yeah. And New X-Men is mm-hmm. on that shelf. Gotta finish that off, New man. X-Men came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the book did. Yeah. So you're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> you are. You are so close. Getting to some good X Men. <laughs> I was in I was in '96 when we started this pod. I'm good deal through '98 now. Yeah. Oh, so just over a year, and you got that's two true. And a half years because a lot of, a lot of that was Nomon comics. in the middle there. There was also a lot of Nomon. <laughs> there was a lot of Nomon. That was fun. Yeah. It's I'll I'll have to lose my patience for 
for this again and, and read another giant impediment. That is literally why we started doing Nomon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, you know what? <laughs> this is not a comic podcast. This is a what we read podcast. This is a what we're hyped we're moving on podcast. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check out. Well, what did you read this week? So this week, thank you for the segue. That was some <laughs> that was some George Carlin style segues. <laughs> <laughs> Completely negated by us talking about the segue. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I read five books. I read six. Mm. Well, because I've got one left over from oh, the that's week right. four. Yep. Iron Man, Books of Korvac, Book Two. Interesting. A handful of really random things happen in this. Okay. I think it's very strange. Okay. And then after that, chronologically for me, I read Strange Academy Volume 2. Oh, cool. Written by Scotty Young. Oh. He's one of my favorite, like, alt, uh, variant cover artists. Yeah. And he's written a couple of books. But this one's this one's been fun. Mm-hmm. And then after that was Black Widow. I Am the Black Widow, Volume 2 by Kelly Thompson. Okay. And then... Oh, no, I didn't read this yet. Ha-ha. The stack was six, but I only read five. America Chavez, Made in the USA. Hey, cool. A little one shot. I like shot. America Chavez. I like America, too. One shot because I assume because she's going to be in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just realized something terrible. We Nips both just said I like America. And Nips is going to be able to troll me with that. <laughs> For you, it's not such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is ooh okay. There, I think there's a cynical take I can I can have on this. Okay. So uh, we'll get to it later. Okay. 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 And then the last one is Immortal Hulk: Great Power. Mm-hmm. It's a one shot on the side, and it's only three issues. Huh. Surprisingly, it ended up having a central three a central theme behind the three issues. Hmm. And I was very surprised by it. I. I mean, huh. Immortal Hulk is one of my favorite comics. <laughs> yes. And this little one shot, I was just like, oh, no. Sure. Like, this is the decline. <laughs> is it the same Is the same writer as the mainline series? Uh, no. Oh. Huh. Each issue is written by different is a different team. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. The first issue is Tom Taylor and George Molina. Okay. And then Threshing Place, or well, the second issue is Jeff Lemire and Mike Del Mundo. Okay. And then the third one is written and art by Declan Shalvey. Oh, wow. That's some talent there. Cool. I mean, it, it's a good book. It pull it pulls in it All pulls right. in the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, so full week. Yeah, no kidding. Full week. What you got? I have what I dubbed the Rob Liefeld reclamation unit. <laughs> I've got God, I feel an like I should have worn pouches for for this episode. <laughs> I've got uh, an arc on cable, an arc on a long arc on Deadpool, and an arc on X Force. Cool. So like, do we like Rob Liefeld? No, he's but it's kind of a meme from from yes. 30 years later, but is his stuff actually like does it stand the test of time? No, incredibly not. And that's okay. like 
Okay. Okay. And 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 this is it. So I my feelings on Rod Liefeld are more. I'm trying to have a more like nuanced take or engage with it deeper than just like the pylon, the internet pylon of Rob Liefeld, bad, LOL, he can't draw feet, et cetera, et cetera. That's all <laughs> uh-huh. funny. And, but like this guy was huge in the early nineties, right? Like he was, he was, it was like, he was like a fucking rock star and like he was Jim Lee level oh. and, wow. and it's, Yeah. And and it's just like it's fascinating to me. Like, how was that the style then? What do people like about him? You know, like it, I'm I get to approach it in the reread more like an anthropological anthropological experiment of like let's just uncover this uh, hidden you know history of comics and and try and rub my nose in it and see like what in the world was going on here <laughs> because no, I don't like it at all. It's interesting. It's, okay. it, but there's a lot. There's a lot of bad artists. In mm-hmm. in you know, I mean, drawing comics is really fucking hard. When you're talking about like yeah. bad artists, like no, like <laughs> there's a lot that's like really impressive about you know conceptually. Yeah, it's like okay, so his anatomy is a little off, but his angles are you know good in this sort of way and like there's a sort of like kinetic like uh, feeling of action and movement and everything is just like turned up to like if if Rob Liefeld had like an ounce of self-parody or like you know just <laughs> yeah okay you know if if it was like <laughs> if it was like a heavy metal comic you know or something that's just like mm. ridiculous for the point of being ridiculous it doesn't even have to be self-parody but just like kind of tongue in cheek the tone is over the top if the tone is over the top for the sake of being over the top and over the top or versus over the top because like holy shit this is like legitimately so cool like i just can't get there with that you know mm-hmm. anyway that's my take on rob liefeld yeah okay well basically i i was trying to not lean into an unjustified like meme like i want to give yeah. them an out yeah 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 but there isn't one i guess <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> rob liefeld honestly seems like a very nice guy and i appreciate sincerity and he is overabundant with sincerity <laughs> it's sincerity about something that i don't particularly care for you know a style that i don't particularly enjoy but you have to respect being into what you're into to a yeah. certain extent heard that you want to get started iron man yeah yeah let's jump into this because it's kind of all over the place this is a story of a man named Brady, but I also... Was... <laughs> <laughs> that was on my mind, God damn you. <laughs> it's a story that didn't... It didn't need to be Iron Man. Huh. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like Super Mario World 2. Mm-hmm. It was a completely different game, and then they skimmed <laughs> yeah. Mario over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of what it feels like. It's do- so... Doki Doki Iron Man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, and if that ends up being to, to, Tony, Tony Davis, panic, I'm totally yeah. okay with this. Okay. <laughs> so, so, all right. In book one. Yeah. So conceptually, this is Iron Man's first book since he got reborn and remade in 
Iron Man 2020 Robot Revolution. Yeah. And the whole idea was he was artificially made after he died after Civil War II. And then there became this whole identity crisis. And then since they were able to get the genetic material from his birth mom and dad, (laughs) now he is a biological test tube baby. Right. And then artificially aged as opposed to a manufactured baby artificially aged. I don't know. It's <laughs> sure, whatever sure. helps him sleep at night. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Arno basically made him reset everything. And so he has like a Wi Fi level Iron Man suit. Okay. No AI beyond like call and response. That doesn't, the AI doesn't do anything for him. Hmm. Last book, he did this intense punch on a containment thing and it like broke his arm. Okay. Like he only has so much going for him with his arm. Okay. Anyway, last issue or last, yeah, last issue. He and and then Hellcats with him and like being his like conscience, but now they're like dating. Sure. Because she's a redhead. And <laughs> the female companion in the book. And so, of course, sure. they got to hook up. Sure. Yeah. The only thing in their defense on this is yeah. that they're still leaning into it. Okay. But other than the fact that they've both been in a shit ton of issues of comics, I don't think they have anything to go off of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Whatever. For sure. Yeah. That does seem like an odder pairing. Yeah. Not as odd as Strange and Electra hooking up. But no, that is a yeah. This is definitely a not pairing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Last issue ended with them confronting Korvac in like this like rundown laundromat. Yeah. Where he his goal is to get to Tatu, the world ship by Galactus, mm-hmm. steal the power cosmic again <laughs> and rewrite no the universe. Deal to be a universe of peace and sure. no death and no war. Okay. As is apparently Korvac's MO. Thing, yeah. Apparently. It's just funny that Korvac is what stood out to you from when we covered History of the Marvel Universe last week. Whenever anybody talks about like some of the, the big classic events, you know, like the the Korvac saga is is yeah. kind of considered one of the one of the standards for for early yeah. you know early for Avengers early story Avengers for sure yeah I'm not familiar with his origin story mm-hmm. however for listeners Korvac just straight up killed the Avengers at the time and yeah. the Guardians at the time yeah and the only reason why they got brought back is because his like girlfriend wife mm-hmm. made him feel bad yeah. And so he's like, okay, fine. Bring yeah. them back. And then yeah. like that's the end of the story. Yeah. Like they don't beat Korvac. No. Korvac, Korvac's heart beats him. Yeah. Or his hormones beat him. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll go find something else. Bye. Yeah. And so I guess from an Avenger standpoint, there's always been this looming shadow of like, what if Korvac comes back? Right. The other thing is like he's just a dude. His origins are like I mean, he's from the future, but by future standards, fairly mundane. A bunch of like terrible shit <laughs> yeah. happened to him, but also he's kind of it's, it's just a dude. Yeah, a lot of experiments dealt yeah. to him, done to him, and it just tainted his personality. Yeah. So now he's a bad guy. <laughs> but yeah, I know so little about Korvac. Yeah, because 
he only gets referenced in things that I read. So him showing up here is just like, right. oh, well, shit. Yeah. I guess I should know about this. I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, the end of that book, at the end at that confrontation, Tony's neck gets snapped. Oh. Not like dead snap, but like <laughs> it's broken. And the only thing holding it in place is his armor. Oh, shit. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so the first issue is trying to deal with that. Yeah. Korvac is teamed up with a really random assortment of people, but so is Iron Man. <laughs> Cor- like, so Korvac's team consists of Whirlwind, Blizzard, the Controller, and Unicorn. Who, okay. like, shoots like a laser out of his third eye type yeah. character. Did they used to be a team? Or Whirlwind and Blizzard maybe were a team? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like Masters of Evil. At least one of the... One of the many variations. One of the iterations, yeah. yeah. Just like... Two-thirds of Spider-Man's rogues gallery has been on the Sinister Six at some point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they may have a history together. But mm-hmm. I can tell you that Iron Man's team definitely doesn't have a history together. <laughs> so <laughs> Iron Man's team consists of that deaf mutant guy, tech, like that mechanic that they introduced in the first book. Mm-hmm. I forget his name, but it's <laughs> not really important. Sure. Misty Knight. Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, Gargoyle, not Greg Gargoyle, because he's a sure. bad guy. Right. <laughs> Regular Gargoyle, who actually looks like a Gargoyle. Yeah. And Frogman. Okay. I don't think I'm familiar with Frogman. He's just a guy in a green suit with a giant green helmet that looks like a frog, and he has like springs in his boots. And Tony's okay being seen with him in public? You know. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I don't understand the the character. Okay, so actually, Iron Man specifically picked these people because, and they touched on it once, but like they're disposable, quote oh. unquote. Well, that's fucked. Yeah, like if shit goes down, the world isn't gonna miss them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. It's not nice, but they, they, they get it. They're like, this is why you chose us. And they're like, wow. <laughs> but like Tony is just taking a weird, like nonchalant, non-caring stance to a lot of this. Yeah. It's the mission and that's it. Okay. A different Tony than you're used to seeing. Yeah. I think a lot of it is he has this, he's had this reset and he's like, what is the phrase? Something to the wind, whatever. Yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. yeah, he just doesn't care, and it's weird. Sure. Side note: Hellcat mm-hmm. apparently has like telepathy, astral projection type powers that have been reawakened by Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon apparently took them away at one point, mm-hmm. and at some point recently, off screen or <laughs> in a book I just don't own or something, <laughs> got them reawakened by Moon Dragon. All right, comics. Yeah. <laughs> Where was that telepathy and astral projection in her romance books is what I want to know. It seems like it would be very Great useful question. there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Anyway, they regather themselves after Tony's neck is snapped. Okay. The mechanic guy tightens his like neck straps mm-hmm. to make sure that his neck isn't going anywhere so they can deal with this because <laughs> okay. at the end of that, Korvac and his crew start going on their way towards Tatu. 
Okay. And so they got to catch up. So there's no time to rest. Mm-hmm. Rhodey joins the team. And I think Rhodey is the one that brings them the like spacefaring Quinjet. But okay. that doesn't really matter. So they go. On their way there, Patsy tries the whole mental outreach thing sure. to Korvac. They meet on this like astral plane planet thing. Like you do. Mm-hmm. And last book, Korvac, I guess Korvac and Patsy did this. It gave Patsy a preview of the perfect universe. Yeah. And so Tony was like, do it again. Bring me with you. Okay. So the three of them have a conversation and Tony's just like, let me see it. I want to know, mm-hmm. you know, what your approach is. Yeah. Why does your idea work? You yeah. Know, let's talk about the science behind it. Sure. And it basically ends with everything being a part of this like crystal structure. Like, hmm. so this is kind of a preview of the world. So, okay. Everything just frozen is crystals. Yeah. Nothing has to eat. So, there's no hunger. Mm-hmm. No sentience, so there's no disagreements, mm-hmm. but just existing for the sake of existing, but forever. Yeah. And Tony's like, well, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst. Yeah. And this is where things get weird. So Korvac is like, well, you clearly don't see the perfection here. So yeah, away with you. So he casts him out. And in casting him out, he physically teleports somewhere else Hmm. no one knows where okay very strange yeah i'm also one of those things where it's like well corvac's powerful enough that sure (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and then corvac and hellcat have it out and then he casts her out back to the ship okay now we have two stories going on yeah tony's team the own their only part of the story is that they are racing towards tattoo Yep. That's literally the last <laughs> you see of them. So, okay. The planet Tony shows up on mm-hmm. seems to be a planet of last survivors or stranded people. Hmm. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's this other guy in power armor, and he ends his sentence with A. And Tony's <laughs> like, Are you Canadian? <laughs> this is kind of funny. <laughs> Patsy reaches out to Moon Dragon. There's a, there's a, issue of Patsy reaching out to Moondragon to like fully release her potential instead of okay whatever. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> is what it is. Sure. Point being, let's see, we get a flashback to to Korvac's origin. And then this is something that doesn't make sense to me. Okay. This is go for my it. first complaint. Not complaint, but just weird. They go to this planet as part of their plan. They go to this planet and find somebody mm-hmm. and they're going to convince that person to join the cause somebody being jim hammond and i huh. i alluded to this last yeah week, yeah yeah last episode so jim hammond the original human torch the original human who torch is neither human well i guess he is a torch artificial human. so for a long time he was like just described as like an offshoot of an lmd yeah. And back a bit ago in a book called Invaders, a recent book called Invaders, 
Tony built him a new body, and so his body looks very Iron Man armory. Oh, okay. With his regular head, and he needed that in order to beat the bad in that storyline. And Korvac is like, "Hi, friend. You are we're we're brothers. Did you know that?" And he's like, huh. "What are you talking about?" And he basically tells him, "He's like, your real name is Adam One. Uh huh. I." Korvac am Adam Four. Hmm. I am the like descendant progression of the same thing that made you. And just basically, like with the origin story that we've been given of like an artificial human created on Earth, and then what, fifteen hundred years later, <laughs> Korvac is created, and it's only been three iterations. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he's the like, weapon I'm... the weapon plus project laughs at that kind of inefficiency. <laughs> so he's like, "Listen, I'm Adam Four. You're Adam One. I can give you a new body, one that was originally supposed to be yours." And so he gives him an Adam One body, but with Adam Four upgrades. <laughs> and so, basically, Jim Hammond gets a Human Torch upgrade. Okay. Question is why? Also, yeah. why in Iron Man? Jim Hammond is very much a Captain America character, but not a big deal, whatever. In the Adam 4 upgrade that Jim gets, he shows him the future that he's trying to make. Jim is like, you're an idiot. And so (laughs) he tries to fight him back and basically Korvac deactivates him. Well, controller has a control disc on him and Korvac's like, well, that sucks, but our Mm -hmm. mission goes on. So random side thing. Anyway, Planet Iron Man is on. Okay. Yeah. There is a little village of a bunch of like single ofs, and they all yeah. seem to be stranded people from different planets. The guy from Canada mm-hmm. is this man named Colin Richard. Okay. So it's not Mac. No. <laughs> he goes. <laughs> you by say power Adver- suit plus Canadian accent. My mind goes one place. <laughs> he goes by Avro X. Okay. And they met at a robotics symposium in Latveria ages ago. Okay. As can be found in Marvel oh. Fanfare number 44. Wow. Okay. That's a deep cut then. It's a huge deep cut. So they're talking and then basically we meet the head, the like the leader of this village. Mm-hmm. And it's the original stilt man. Huh. I didn't know there were more than one. Oh, yeah, there have been a few. Because, okay. I mean, basically, Stiltman started as, like, an Armor Wars villain. Yeah. But then he's had run-ins with Spider-Man. He's had run-ins with Daredevil. But, yeah. Well, Stiltman, one of the Stiltmen shows up in my week of reading. I'm going to oh, have really? to figure out which one. <laughs> so this is Wilbur Day. Okay. I think, it, I think it's Wilbur Day in mine, too. There have been at least three. There's Wilbur Day... Stiltman 2, and then there's also a Stilt Woman. <laughs> okay. And there may have been more, but I know there's sure. at least three, if you include Looks like Stilt Woman. Turk Barrett was also Stiltman for a time, according wow. to the wiki. I know. Good old Turk. Oh, yeah. he, he really gets around. <laughs> I guess so. And so, basically, they're all hanging out. Stiltman's like, listen, you know, I know we fought in the past, but, like, I have purpose here. I was the first one to show up here. And as people started showing up, started gathering everyone, started making this little village for ourselves. It's mm-hmm. very crude. It's like five huts. 
worth of village kind of thing. Okay. There's like, yeah. there seems to, as far as like people who show up in the background stuff, there seems to only be like 20, 25 people. Sure. For funsies, there's a regalian, like, like <laughs> yeah. blue skinned red fin. Yeah. And there's like three humans. <laughs> okay. Or four humans, actually. Wow. It's very strange. Such anyway, a spacefaring species we are. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And basically, they rally together because of the quote-unquote elements that happens every once in a while. Elements turns out to be a giant Ultimo. Oh. And this seems to be the planet where Ultimos come from. Huh. What's an Ultimo again? Ultimo is an Avengers-style Sentinel. Oh, okay. (laughs) Base AI, 30 feet tall. Uh Uh-huh. All silver shoelaces from the eyes. Okay, sweet. That that's your classic. Yeah, Ultimo, and then yeah. there's like iterations and stuff. So the, the Avengers have Ultimo. The X Men have Century uh, have Sentinels. The Fantastic Four have Kree Sentry, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Okay, everyone needs a giant robot. Yeah, Thor has Destroyer armor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So turns out this is the planet that Ultimos come from. Interesting. So. They fight an Ultimo, and Tony's like, you know what? F trying to leave. I kind of like it here. The peace <laughs> here is amazing. And he's having, like, astral projection conversations with Patsy. Yeah. Being like, come back to us. We need you. We're almost a tattoo. I miss you. He's like, I miss you too. <laughs> and it ends with... Tony needs, like, power because his armor <laughs> lasts only so long. Yeah. And they're able to harvest power out of the Ultimos and Tony's like, why aren't we using the Ultima technology mm-hmm. to like help us improve? Like Classic what, Tony what question. Yes. Right. Then they open up one of the Ultimos and he sees that there have been tamperings with the Ultimo. Hmm. Turns out Stilt Man has been tampering with the Ultimos to create a big bad to artificially create a reason for people to band together and for them to look to Wilbur to be like their leader. Okay. And people have died, but it serves the purpose of the rest of the people banding together and meeting Wilbur. And yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. And so basically... Avro X and Iron Man confront Stilt Man. It's so strange to consider Stilt Man seriously. Like I was, he only extends th- his legs and arms. <laughs> as you were talking, I was just thinking through this. Like, what would it? What would it be? What's the the pitch? What's the like? Because obviously, like in a world with Tony Stark's being able to invent a Stilt Man suit is. Fuck all. That's nothing. That that's yeah. That's but so there. He's got to have some other talent. You're talking about leadership, or you're talking about like you know maybe he has some sort of like charisma or or like particular like ruthlessness or or some other thing where it's like you pair that with just the tiniest bit of like engineering and he's able to actualize you know what talent he has for. For engineering towards you know particular aims in a way that others can that's as far as i got but that could be an interesting way to write the guy but it doesn't sound like that's really explored here it's not well okay. basically he creates the situation out of a desire for peace 
Okay. Like, he's tired of fighting on Earth. He's tired yeah. of being the bad guy. He wanted a fresh start. So he creates the situation where when Ultimos aren't attacking, there's peace, there's happiness. So a small bad that is controllable to create the greater good. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's like the, the opposite of the Ozymandias theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when they confront Stiltman, the villagers hear about it and they revolt and they carry, carry him off into the distance. Okay. And you have him screaming, I love you all. I love you all. Huh. It's very strange. Interesting. But that's the last we see of it because as he walks out the room, the living tribunal shows up. Whoa. That's um <laughs> that's a heavy hitter. Yeah, he shows up. He's like Tony Stark floating in the air. And Tony's like, oh boy, I didn't realize the living tribunal knew my full name. Seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's never a good sign. <laughs> it's Thanos saying, Stark, I've heard of you, but about a thousand Dude, times oh, worse. Man. End game. I I wanted <laughs> I wanted a handful of different things to happen in the end game. <laughs> but it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. So the universe is on the verge of catastrophic imbalance. Only you can restore this balance. You must travel to the world ship of Galactus at this very moment. Mm-hmm. So Tony is being called by a cosmic entity to leave the planet. He's like, sure. well, fine. Yeah. It's like, right, yeah, Korvac. He's talking about this android named Korvac who wants the power cosmic anyway it looks like i've got to go <laughs> <laughs> so to casually talk with the living tribunal so yeah, he's like so um from what you're telling me my friends won't be able to stop korvac on their own i have to do it you gravely misunderstand my words but you still must leave now huh. like, i'll go but only if you send all the people on this planet home okay so avro's like i'm going with you but so living tribunal sends everyone to their respective planets, yeah. uh, planets, and he sends Avro and Tony to Ta, the world ship. Yep. So they beat Korvac there, and they beat the squad there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a lot happens. Yeah. With characters that I don't know why they used. Well, it's interesting to see where that goes from there. I suppose. I am kind of interested. It just seems yeah. odd. Yeah, they're really, really digging deep into the backstory. To Rather than introduce new characters, they're doing right. some absolutely outrageous deep deep cuts work in order to, to recycle old characters for their needs, which kind of makes I'm sense. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that happens, I mean, when you read long-running titles. Yes. You kind of go back and forth. And we've talked about this for like crossover events. Like either you reimagine an existing character and mm-hmm. you bring them back in a new way or you introduce somebody new. We should... And you kind of go back and forth between that. One week on this pod, we should do... I'm always loath for like top five or, you know, rankings or things like that. But I would like to go through with you a list of if we each come up with a list of Marvel characters that got dropped at some point that we'd like to see get some sort of some deep cut love. I'm down for that. Yeah. And if you even want to take it one step further, a like sales pitch on how you might bring them back. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. Like original sin having orb. 
Okay, let's take yeah. the watcher's eye. Yeah. And because he's a giant eye, yeah. like I never would have put that together. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. But yeah, that could be fun. I'd be mm-hmm. down for that. Okay. Maybe, maybe next week if you want to try to come up with a list. I won't I won't yeah. hold you to it. Let's let's start. Let's so, start. Let's start drafting lists and we'll whenever we're done with it, when we're we'll ready. put it on the pod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I'm excited for next next. Okay, okay, step. okay. Like okay. the comics coming up on my shelf are like yeah. big titles, and I'm just like, Yee! yeah. So I want I want to get there. Okay, but, okay. We can also just hold it in our back pocket for another week where we have a light, you know, where yeah. we don't get much reading done. For sure. Strange Academy Volume Two. Yes. So for a quick recap, Strange Academy is the magic version of Wolverine the X Men. Mm-hmm. School or Avengers Academy or or Future Foundation. (laughs) (laughs) The magic version of introducing the next. It's the YA book. Yeah. Yeah. It's 616 Hogwarts. It's the next generation of magic users. Yeah. Last book spent most of its time introducing everyone. And then we have Doyle Dormammu, who's Dormammu's son. Uh He sacrificed himself to save Emily Bright. Who's the like most random character, I think. Okay. In but like the most random important character, I should say. Okay. She just has an affinity for magic, but she doesn't have like a connection origin type thing. Mm. Like you've got like Shaylee Moonpetal, she's from Weird World. You have Alvi Broerson and Eric Borson, yeah. who are both Asgardians. You have Desi. Desi's from Limbo. Zoe Laveau, she is an undead zombie. You have Toth, who's also from Weird World, who doesn't have a mouth. Sure. She's just like, well, I, I, <laughs> I've got this magic talent. It came from somewhere, but I'm just a person. Yeah. Cool. Gooselog is a frost giant. Herman Aguilar is, it's a name, but he basically can commune with animal spirits. Okay. And then Calvin Morse. Yeah. Who has a magic jacket. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah. But anyway, end of last volume, Doyle Dormammu sacrificed himself to save Emily. And so we enter the second book with the aftermath in like basically the medical ward of Strange Academy. Mm-hmm. Magic stuff happens and Strange takes they're they're they can't they can't really save Emily. They don't know what's going on. She seems to be overloading with magic. And the only way to save her is Strange takes her to Hogoth, as in like the Hori host. The Hori host, yeah. If it was a magic card, it would be Hogoth, whose hosts are Hori. <laughs> and you get this kind of in- interesting interaction of... So Hogoth appears as this giant tiger, giant, giant tiger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Hogoth is like, what the hell are you doing here, Strange? You've already, we've already made an agreement. He's like, I want another favor. And basically, they talk about how Strange already has a debt hmm. in regards to a deal he made in order to make the Strange Academy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And Strange is like, that's fine. Just add it to my debt. We'll pay it. We'll, we'll figure it out. He's like, yeah. all right. So add it to my tab. Yeah. So Hogoth saves Emily. 
And then they come back and Emily is like, where's Doyle? And he's like, Doyle's, Doyle's, Doyle's dead. You yeah. can't. There's nothing we can do. And she's like, F off. There's nothing we can do. Why don't you go and ask his father to save him? Because his the flame of his father could save him. And mm. Dr. Voodoo. Oh, so while they're dealing with Emily, Voodoo goes to the Dark Dimension to go and ask Dormammu for help. Yeah. Voodoo comes back barely with his life with nothing. And Emily is like, well, fine. I'll jump through the portal. And she tries. And then she gets overwhelmed by Dark Dimension. Strange saves her. And he's like, listen, like you need to listen to us. We know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Emily goes over to Doyle's dead body, kisses him on the forehead. And then he like reignites and comes back to life. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's this, clearly there's this budding romance between mm-hmm. the two. That's generally as far as we're going to explore that arc. <laughs> At least in this volume, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So she brings Doyle back to life, and he and he like is indebted to her. Blah blah blah. Oh, the last thing is Doyle gives Strange a part of his crown to help Emily keep the like ambient magic energy, hmm. like at bay. I don't fully understand it, but it is what it is. Point sure. is, they make a ring out of it, and so. Emily is wearing a little ring that is made from Doyle's crown. And so they have a connection. Oh, cute. <laughs> the, okay. Oh, she's hanging out with Cat Beast. When they're <laughs> playing tag, like door tag, last volume, she gets mm-hmm. lost in Weird World. And then okay. Cat Beast shows up and he's like, I can help you back. You just have to bring me with you. And she's like, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so <laughs> Cat Beast is a cat-sized character with horns and wings. Okay. Black wings. Sure. Also a black cat mm-hmm. because magic. Right. Anyway, let's see. Anything else worth talking about? Comic stuff happens. <laughs> okay. So we start to see Calvin, who has the, the black jacket, yeah. seem to get possessed by the black jacket as his emotions rise. Interesting. Like, he's, he's a little fat kid, and so he gets bullied. Not because okay. he's fat, but like just for visual sake, you have Alvi <laughs> and Borset. You have Alvi and Eric. Like aesthetically, it's your it's your classic bullying situation because uh-huh. you have these Asgardian pretty boy, okay, preppy, yeah, tall, slender, blonde kids, sure, bullying this short plus plus size <laughs> brunette child. You trying so, to say that all? Uh... All, all tall people of Norse descent are bullies. Yes, you are. Okay. So, <laughs> but you're not, you're not blonde. So there we go. <laughs> you, you fight your way out of the stereotype there. <laughs> but anyway, so the jacket seems to possess him and he gets super dark. His eyes go black. His mm. face starts to crack and it's like, holy crap, what the hell is happening there? Yeah. We get a flashback to see that he killed his parents oh. that way. Yikes. Yeah, so it's a giant question mark on what's going on there. Yeah. So bas- basically, he's an orphan child. and uh, It might have been his foster parents. I don't really care. He never has anything for himself. He finds this jacket in a closet, loves mm-hmm. it, finally has something of his own. Yeah. And then it just connects to him. And then, you know, death and mayhem, blah, blah, blah. Sure. They have parents day at Strange Academy. Okay. And everyone's parents are invited to... Like, hang out, do some fun activities, yada, yada. Shaylee and Toth have this 
budding sort of romance going on. And so they introduce each other. They just introduce each other to each other's parents. Mm-hmm. And it's super cute and fun. <laughs> Alvi and Eric's parents don't show up. And so Loki shows up and he's like, sorry, guys. You, you know how it is with your mother. You, she's just not going to show up. And they're like, yeah, 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 I know. Okay. We do find out who her, who their parents are in this volume. Okay. But Emily's parents, her mom is the most competitive person you'll ever meet. And so for these activities and races that they're doing, she gets into it with Loki. (laughs) And and Emily's like, mom, that is a Norse god. Please, (laughs) please stop embarrassing me in front of the gods. (laughs) And there's this fun little here's and there's. Calvin stuff happens. Anyway. Yeah. It's fun shenanigans, but like, Plots don't seem to be moving forward too heavily. They Mm -hmm. go to Asgard, which, if you will remember, has Galactus's helmet at the end of the Bifrost. Yeah. (laughs) So they go to Asgard, and we see Alvi and Eric's dad is just like a a guard. Mm -hmm. And he's a big boy, too. Like, (laughs) this is like the only time we see him. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Right there. He's like, they're like, hey, dad. It's like, hello, hello, fellas. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Thor is out. And so Volstag gives them the tour. Uh, and of course, they go to the mess hall before they go to anywhere else. Of course. So they have a giant buffet lunch. That's where Toph and Shay Lee decide they want to start dating. Mm-hmm. Doyle has a little emo moment. So there's this budding romance. And so Shay Lee, who has zero social skills is like <laughs> yeah emily it's kind of like you and doyle now and they're like wait uh, what <laughs> and doyle storms off doyle gets bullied by eric and alvi a lot okay and so he's kind of the emo kid right now sure doyle goes off to go be his emo kid self they go and hang out in the roots of Yggdrasil. okay or he goes to the roots of Yggdrasil, and he hears eric talking to somebody and he goes and meets Eric is talking to his mother. His mother is in jail in okay. the roots of Idrisil. Oh, wow. And turns out their mother is the Enchantress. I had a suspicion. You know, magic plus Norse. Yeah. Yeah. So it is the Enchantress, which contradicts what was happening in <laughs> Captain Marvel. So yeah. there is even... There's one reference in that in Captain Marvel when she's like, I bet, you know, I bet the Asgardians would probably be interested to find out where you've been uh-huh. as opposed to your jail cell. And it's like, see her cell in Strange Academy number 10. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, they're very aware yeah, that, yeah. that they needed her in two different places. But right. <laughs> so she has three sons in 616 right now. Sure. Eric and Alvi, who are good guys. Mm-hmm. And we have Vor, who is the son of her and Namor from the future, from 50 years in the future. Oh, boy. <laughs> in who time traveled back with of course. Carol. Anyway, Eric and Doyle come across each other and they're like, you keep your secret, I'll keep... Or you stop bullying me and I'll keep your secret. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, fine. Doyle and Emily finally express their romance for each other, their budding feelings for each other, and they make mm-hmm. out, even though hey. he's a flaming head. It's just kind of funny. That's Yeah, that seems like it's an impediment, but who knows? Yeah, it actually starts with a nightmare from Emily where they make out and then she catches on fire. <laughs> Turns out, not a problem. Not a problem. Well, good for those kids. 
The last little two-issue arc that happens is Toth, the little crystal boy, Mm -hmm. is studying for finals. And in the middle of the night, something black attacks him. And they wake up in the morning and see him shattered into pieces in the hallway. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. And then Cat Beast is like, hey, we can save him. And they call Toth's parents to help put him together. Mm-hmm. And we get an explanation of where Capius is from. So his mom shows up and is like, he was a wizard in our world, a wizard that lost his way and paid the price. What did you miss? Wait, did you miss Weird World Volume 2? Get on that. So <laughs> oh, I had no. Weird World Volume 2, I think. Okay. And I, if I, so <laughs> if I have it, I read it, but... It's one of those things, yeah. It couldn't have been a major plot point, but yeah. also everything I've read about Weird World, I've stored in like a separate part of my mind because sure. it doesn't seem to be something we're supposed yeah. to care about, right? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I I totally knew that that happened. So of course. So Toth's mom is a queen, and Toth's dad is like a man thing, which is kind mm. of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the man thing, right? He has the exact design of me anyway so they have their little out and they work on putting toth back together turns out they they filled everything in except for his crystal heart the heart shard they need the heart shard in order to bring him back so voodoo calls in a pi to help to help figure out what happened they call in howard the dark howard Mm. the duck he interviews all the kids figure out what's going on anyway point is they find the heart shard in Calvin's jacket pocket. And hmm. they're like, Calvin, what the fuck? And he's like, it wasn't me. I was I was asleep. I don't know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. Turns out the it was the black jacket and it's and it kind of takes over. Snuck Calvin. out on its own. Yeah. Yikes. Turns out the black jacket, you don't remember this, hmm. but <laughs> not remember, but you don't know about this. But I read okay. this. So yeah. the black jacket is this person who is this entity who calls himself Mr. Misery. Okay. In Doctor Strange Volume 4 where he fights the Empirical, one of the (laughs) side background stories behind it is that magic comes Mm -hmm. with a price and Wong and Strange had it set up where he didn't have to pay that price. Right. And what the price was is all the negative stuff they shunted down into this like closet down in the bottom of Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh, okay. And all of the negative repercussions and all of the payment got sent to this like black little gooey void thing. <laughs> then okay. it ends up getting sentience and it calls itself Mr. Mr. Misery. And so it is huh. a magic-based black goo that has been paying Strange's price for magic for years. Wow. Okay. It finally gets out it attacks Strange. There's a whole storyline about yeah. it. But anyway, it got away by attaching itself to like a mouse and like mm. getting away in the sewers. It finds finds a closet to ha- hide in. Mm-hmm. Ends up being the closet that of the Calvin's jacket. room. Yeah. And it turns into the jacket. Okay. It takes all of the kids to fight Mr. Misery. And they basically, it feeds on despair and anguish and pain mm-hmm. as any dark entity would <laughs> and so desi for a demon from limbo is yeah. like i got this so she 
overloads it with too much despair. Wow. Too emo. As yeah. And as that's going on, they're just like, holy crap. And so other characters who have histories of pain, mm-hmm. like an undead girl, <laughs> <laughs> for example. all feed it. And it basically overloads it to the point where it can't hold on to Calvin anymore. And then Desi eats it. Huh. You have this like overloaded Mr. Misery. And it's like, it was too much. I can't take it. Take it back, please. And Desi's like, okay. And so she just like devours the entire thing. Wow. Which is very interesting. Yeah. But she like, she just comes back to normal. She's like, all right, well, Calvin, you're safe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm sure that won't have any repercussions. Right. And then they bring back Toth. Toth doesn't hold it against Calvin. They have a hug and everyone hugs together. The end. So, okay. Yeah. We're just, we're just exploring a bunch of the characters. It was cool because we didn't have to spend any time being introduced to the characters like we did in the first book. Right. Second book is more now exploring how the characters interact, yeah. how they react to things. We're probably going to get more of the Hogoth stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It was, it's good times. Good times. Awesome. Black Widow, volume two, I Am the Black Mm -hmm. Widow, Kelly Thompson. First volume was the brainwashed Natasha with a genetic child and a husband named James, child's name Steve. Hawkeye and Bucky helped her out Mm -hmm. of it and they dealt with that backlash. Sure. Anyway, so it ended with White Widow, Yelena Belova. And Natasha being like, let's start something new. And so they created their like home base. It's called The Web. And they are based out of San Francisco, just kind of doing their own independent thing. Which is crazy because like it makes me remember slash realize that there are no small hitters on <laughs> the current Avengers roster. Yeah. Like yeah. Hawkeye's not on the Avengers right now. Right. Widow's no, not on there. Not much of a human perspective. All just beefcakes and powerhouses yeah oh man it's such a powerful team anyway that has nothing to do with this (laughs) so yeah elena and natasha are doing the thing natasha gets pickpocketed by this girl named alice natasha tracks her down she's like you're you're dumb so anyway (laughs) they recruit her to kind of like train her do her do their thing elena is trying to create she there's your typical contention between Yelena and, and Natasha between why bring someone into the web mm-hmm. and like, they need to be here of their own choice, but Yelena wants to like put them through like widow sure. type training. The full ringer. Yeah. Yeah. And it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Alice has these electrical powers that she got from this like power broker type cult. Okay. And she was stealing money for, for that. Details don't really matter. Point is, this storyline is going to be about dealing with this cult that gives people artificial powers, but if they use their powers too much, it kills them. Oh, okay. (laughs) So Natasha recruits Anya Corazon. Corazon. Mm -hmm. She is the current Spider-Woman, originally introduced as Aranya. Mm -hmm. She has spider-based powers. So Spider-Woman is... Part of the team, they are training Alice a little bit here and there. And Tasha and Yelena keep on crashing these parties and trying <laughs> to figure out where everyone is. 
they kidnap one person and to interrogate them to find out where they can, you know, deal with these guys. Okay. And that's where they find out that he dies. So mm. he had like Mr. Fantastic gooey powers. Sure. And then in captivity, he just melted away. <laughs> and like as one does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a pile of just goo now. Okay. So Alice is starting to freak out because she had that's how she got her powers. They do more smash and grabs. Spider Woman has camouflage powers. Okay. Much like Miles does. Miles does, yeah. I didn't know that. There's <laughs> I, didn't I don't know, know anything honestly about Aranya yeah. Anya Corazon. I know that she used to have this like carapace hmm. helmet, spider spider like helmet that was like I think it was biological and she would just it would just like come out of her like neck and come over her head. Hmm. But I know that got ripped off, which I know must have hurt. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. So she hasn't had it since then. Hmm. And then when Julia Carpenter became Madame Webb, mm-hmm. she bestowed her suit and title to Anya. And she's only really shown up in like the Spider-Verse type stories. Sure. But yeah, I didn't know well, she had cloaking ability. Because we've we've created silk since then. So god damn it, we uh we have we have other women of color spider folk to to be concerned about who are more recently <laughs> pu- created. <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. So another infiltration. They find this black kid with glasses that looks exactly like Prodigy, but isn't Prodigy. Okay. And he has basically he has like a forge-like power, but he was recruited by the cult to help perfect the power serum, basically. Okay. And then Anya and one of her missions steals a couple of vials. So they're... when you, Apparently, whenever you have the poison, you're able to mm-hmm. go and create a cure. And so hmm. they task Prodigy Boy <laughs> with... Is he... Is Are they just making him do, like, science things because he wears glasses? I mean... Like, Has he shown aptitude for it in other well, situations? No, we get introduced to him because he was the reason. So, oh, okay. The reason why he was brought into the cult was because of his ability to do that. Okay. So okay, he okay, he's okay. the personal MacGuffin sure. for the cult, and so they take him and show him what the powers do, and they show him the, like the dead body. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's not what I signed up for. I'm so sorry. Let's let's yeah. stop this. Okay. So yeah, so he is, I'm trying to find, but I'm not typical. Did you get powers too? Not from Apogee. The main bad guy's name is Apogee. We don't mm-hmm. really care though. He just recruited me when he realized what I could do. What can you do? It's hard to explain. In addition to being a genius, I have something like, I don't know, super guessing, some kind <laughs> of probability thing. If I make a decision, it's usually the right one. Like working for Apogee. Yeah. Like I said, usually. (laughs) Threw a lot of money at me. It was hard to turn down, but I should have asked more questions. So it's like sort of forge. Yeah. Sort of. Intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. So he set his mind to creating the cure and he's able to make the cure. Sure. And then he set his mind to making the cure a gas form. So you can just like Mm -hmm. open up a can and just yep. save everyone. So that's what he's doing next. Okay. But yeah. It's very much, hey, we need a character that can do this. Let's just introduce him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Deus Ex powers. Yeah. 
but whatever. The fight, Apogee, everyone's involved in the fight. They call in Kate Bishop and she helps because uh, <laughs> this is in San Francisco. Kate's in San Francisco. The art is really fun. So I really liked this two page. So you have basically a shit ton of single color monochromatic cells yeah. of widow doing her acrobatics all white and then when background she, and she's in yeah. red yeah and then when she's about to when she's going to either speak or do her next move it shows a regular comic book cell yeah and then continues on with what she's doing and then makes her contact hit and then does her roles yeah and then somebody and then apogee says something and then continues on that is a really really cool that is a really cool spread yeah comics are so cool comics are really cool dude anyway apogee keeps on getting more and more power-ups blah 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 aerosol can gets put out there they they deactivate everyone's powers alice uses her powers to save Widow from a superpowered Apogee. Her powers start to go over... They start to overload. Oh, did I ever tell you her powers? Her powers are electricity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then they still had they had two like liquid serums left. And so they gave it to... Gave one to Alice. So her powers come under control and... But her like arms are just like eternally lit up now, hmm. which is kind of a fun design. Yeah. So now we have Natasha's new team of her, Yelena, Spider Woman, Kate Bishop, and <laughs> Kate Alice. Bishop. Yeah. Kate Bishop. <laughs> the other thing that's been fun is the banter between Natasha and Yelena. Okay. It's more serious than the banter between like Jessica Drew and Carol. Okay. Yeah. It's along the same lines because the same writer. Okay. Sure. Thompson. She's yeah, done yeah. a lot of solo titles of female superheroes. Yeah. But like Yelena comes off as so they <laughs> there's a lot that goes unsaid between the two because okay. they're both super spies. They don't need to say a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I like that. And right. But then so like the banter is well, that's a terrible idea. It's like, you don't know my idea. It's like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of like kind of back and forth. The banter has been fun. And cool. it gets called out by like Anya when she finally gets brought in. Mm-hmm. She's like, your guys' banter is weird. She's like, yeah, it's, it's us. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fun book. So I didn't... Cool. The first book I was kind of meh on. Yeah. But I thought it was an interesting... Just like... It sat in the same place for me as WandaVision did for Wanda Mm. in terms of like MCU stuff. Like it was, let's see a Natasha where she doesn't have the super spy story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's let her be happy and just be. Sure. And so the repercussions of that book have been, she keeps on getting flashbacks of when she was raising Stevie right. and like just being happy yeah, and not having the weight of being a widow or the red room or superhero, mm-hmm. any of that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. It was super interesting. Anyway, the first book I was kind of meh, but mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it had some good character moments. Awesome. Especially like the whole like Clint being like, well, you had a James and you had a Steve, but you didn't have a Clint in your life. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that like 
self-identity crisis of like, yeah. do you even care about me? Yeah, yeah. Was super interesting. Yeah, yeah. But also, those characters were planted by someone else. Right. Not by Widow. But whatever. Also, Apogee lives. He fell into a vat. And mm. the last cell of the book is his hand coming out of the vat. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I liked this book a lot more cool. than the first one. Awesome. Okay. Okay. America Chavez, one shot. Yeah. The cynical take on this okay. is that I think it was written to make make her origin something that they could tell in the MCU. <laughs> uh-huh. So are you familiar with like Carol's origin? Carol Danvers' sort origin? Of. Carol Danvers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in for a long for a long time, yeah. The Cree machine, whatever that blew up. Yeah. Is what rewrote her DNA to make her Cree right. yep. and gave her her powers. There was a one shot a couple years ago that changed it to her mom is actually Cree. Right. And so Carol is half Cree. So when the when that explosion went off, it just activated her powers and not gave her her powers. Right. Yep. Even though the Cree don't have these abilities, like... <laughs> has nothing to do with anything else, but <laughs> yeah. But basically it made it so Carol's always been half Cree as opposed to a human who has a connection to Cree because of her connection to Marvel. Right. America Chavez, her mothers raised her on an alternate reality where they the two of them were superheroes and they died saving their planet and she ended up on Earth but she has these these like dimension hopping abilities where she punches a star shape and it portals it into yeah. wherever she wants to go. Mm-hmm. She's got flight, she's got super strength, and like that's always been her thing. But we've never explored how she got to Earth. Right. She's just had this like, my mothers are superheroes. I want to live up to their name. So yeah. I'm gonna be a superhero here. Yeah. But she's always had the perspective of like, we need to talk about all realities here. Right. Traditionally, she's been the the voice of the other realities and not just 616. Yep. This book says no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, in her chronological order, I guess, mm-hmm. she gets found floating in the water at the beach in New York at Jones Beach. Oh, yeah. I've been to Jones Beach. <laughs> 13 years ago, she gets found by... These two, two, a couple and and their son. Okay. And probably behooves me to come up with their <laughs> names for you. Yeah. Basically, she shows up in the water and she's in this like sort of superhero suit. <laughs> and she has a patch that says America. And okay. so they assume her name is America. And they get brought in by the Santanas. Okay. They live in Washington Heights. This is okay in the Bronx, Upper Man- yeah, Upper Manhattan. This this is all kind of a bummer because my my personal like reason for why her name was America, like because like I've met like especially kids of immigrants. Like I I knew I was I was like a camp counselor at this peace camp one time, and one of the kids there was named Amarisa. It's like yeah. I, oh. Your parents were were immigrants, and, and they came to America, and that, that's what mm-hmm. they named their kid. Like, I I was kind of hoping that that was 
the reason for her name, but oh well. Yeah. Well, I've never known, and we still don't really know, the yeah. reason for her name being America. Yeah. Yeah. So she has amnesia, mm-hmm. doesn't know her past, blah, blah, blah. And then in elementary school, so they adopt her. So her name is America Santana. Sure. In elementary school, her memory comes back. Oh, okay. And they have this like class project of like drawing your family tree. Mm. And she remembers everything. So she remembers her mom and her mom, Amelia and Elena Chavez. Mm-hmm. She remembers that she's from the Utopian Parallel. And she remembers the big bad being the Demiurge. Mm. Demiurge is what Billy Kaplan is destined to become, which is oh, kind of yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that's what she drew for her family tree. And she gets bullied for it. Her mm-hmm. brother is like, what is this? And she's like, I remember everything. I remember. and. When she can fly, oh, they take her to a therapist or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the counselor is like, listen, like, you know, children of like trauma and stuff tend to like make up their own reality Mm -hmm. to help them cope with whatever the past is. So, you know, she just honestly right now, she just needs your support and love, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. While they're having that conversation, she starts to learn how to fly. (laughs) And they're like, oh, maybe there's something here. (laughs) But anyway, so as soon as she like discovers her powers, she starts doing the superhero thing, which her parents are super anti. Yeah. Because one, they're worried about her. And two, they don't want it to come to to their house mm-hmm. and disrupt the family or kill their family. All reasonable concerns. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, she leaves. She denounces her Santana name and she goes by Chavez, mm-hmm. which is her mother's her mother's name. And she gets brought back to. So and that's all like happened in the past. We have a whole bunch of flashbacks: three years ago, thirteen years ago, seven mm-hmm. years ago, ten sure. years ago. All these different like things leading up to her history. In the present, there is a giant dome over her old apartment building in Washington mm. Heights mm. because she's being called in by somebody we don't know who. It's this person who's been trying to get her attention to get her to come back, and they race. Blah blah blah. Her powers start bugging out, which doesn't. <laughs> seem to matter like her powers are fluctuating but like it's yeah. not much of a pl- plot point sure at least not that i remember i just read this like a couple of days ago <laughs> i don't know it it doesn't seem like a big deal yeah point is she blacks out and the person she's been chasing says welcome back to the utopian parallel hmm. and you're like wait what so next issue we have a conversation between the two we reveal who the person is and her name is Catalina, Catalina Chavez. And she's like, I'm your sister. Oh. And she's like, what are you talking about? I don't have a sister. She's like, you do. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, okay. So she goes into their history, but she has this thing called sodium theopental. Okay. Which it's used, it's been used for trauma patients to help them recover repressed memories. Okay. And she's like, I can give this to you so you can remember your repressed memories. Yeah. And that's where the first like, uh, could mm. be because is this going to be a brainwash serum or right. is this going to be a repressed memory serum? Yep. But anyway, they have a fight. Catalina 
has similar powers to America. Hmm. Okay. So that's interesting. And then we get a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get a flashback to 15 years ago, which is Mm. two years before America shows up on the shores. Yeah. And we see two scientists, Amelia and Elena. Mm. And they are on a boat and they're going to this magical island to meet with this guy or Mr. Gales. I don't know what his first name is. I don't really care. (laughs) But he's got this island for kids with the edges syndrome. I don't know if it's a real thing or if it's made up for this. Hmm. Kids with edges syndrome, it predominantly afflicts children with two X chromosomes. So, So females. Yeah. Amelia and Elena, who have America, America's diagnosis for edges syndrome was four months ago. And so there's no current cure. And so that's why they're at this island to mm. figure out. Like he he has this island entirely to try to help kids with edges. Okay. So they're bringing America. Catalina is younger than America and hasn't been diagnosed with edges yet, but it's a genetic thing. And so there's mm. a chance, a strong mm-hmm. chance that Catalina's going to have it also. Sure. And this is like... It's just such a convoluted, yeah, un- disconnected backstory. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. on the island, Gales has this giant vault, and inside the vault is the source of like this weird energy, and it looks like this alternate reality oh. that kind of looks like Pandora from Avatar, <laughs> but like it has a bunch of flying blue stars. Yeah. In the like energy or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because of those like stars, Gales called everyone their little starlings. The the reason why that matters is because that's what America remembers her mother's calling her. Mm. Like their little starling. Sure. Catalina has like electricity based powers, by the way. Okay. As opposed to the dimension hopping power. Yeah. But they both have flight and super strength. Okay. America's like, why are you why are you telling me this? And she's like, haven't you ever wondered why you're so strong? Why you can fly or hop dimensions? And she's like, you were a guinea pig. Basically, turns out, according to this reality, this story, <laughs> um, Gail's running experiments on all these girls with edges. And Amelia and Elena are no longer comfortable with the experiments that he's doing. They're like, okay, we got to get out of here. Like, this isn't going to fly. So they stage like an escape. Doesn't entirely work. There's a, I get flashes (laughs) of what show was that? Did you watch Stranger Things? No. Okay. Well, okay. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Then I am out of comparisons. (laughs) Well, like it was the, it was the easiest pop culture reference, but. Just your go-to mental ward where you're, the scientist is forcing children to figure out how to use their powers. Oh, sure. Type thing. Yeah, okay. So that's what it kind of turns out this island is. Mm-hmm. Gales is... So like the side experiment is that he's trying to get these girls to to harness and use these abilities mm-hmm. under the guise of trying to figure out how to cure them of edges syndrome. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out 
Catalina has come back to this island to continue his experiments. So Mm. she's got all these vats or pods of other girls with edges syndrome. Okay. She's like, I've I've restarted the experiments to finish what our mom's what our mom started. And basically it involves exposing these girls and Catalina and America to the mm-hmm. energies of the utopian parallel. And that's what's giving them their powers. Okay. I don't know. In, <laughs> in the past, they did this whole escape plan thing. Elena gets the girls while Amelia tries to destroy the portal in the safe. Mm-hmm. She destroys the portal, gets away. Elena or dies while destroying the portal. Sure. Elena is holding Catalina and America and gets shot by Gales and they're dying. Dying breath. Elena's like, America, you got to save the children. You, you can do this. I believe in you. Mm-hmm. She dies. All the girls fight back against all the pursuers. Mm-hmm. America successfully opens her first star portal. Okay. She's holding Catalina's hand. They're about to jump through. Catalina gets grabbed by Gales mm. and stays on the island. America falls through the portal, ends up in the water, and that's where she gets found. So Catalina never left the island, and more and more experiments were continued on her. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> there's flashbacks to Gales getting her to getting Catalina to continue expanding on her electricity powers. Dude, I don't even remember how this ends. But <laughs> it's a real bummer. It just it seems like it's it it seems like it kind of abandons a lot of like the potential for America Chavez to be a more like for lack of a better word, like to have a, a sci-fi story that more matches like I don't know, an immigrant I, I just I guess I just like holding on to this idea that America, like she embodies this immigrant experience, right? And, and, and it's just like, you can do a sci-fi story that like makes is a pair is a parable for that or a metaphor for that. But this is like kind of actively in the opposite direction. Like it's just throwing like a very generic, you know, psycho babble, like techno sci-fi story on her rather than something which might actually make her more like mythically relevant as a character. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, there's a little bit of energy left in the vault. Turns out Catalina's been hearing their mother's voice. Ziz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets America to open a portal that is that like she opens a portal where the energy is coming out from. And instead of blue, it's this purple portal. Catalina falls through it and gets lost to the portal and the energy. Portal closes. America saves all the girls who were in captive captivity there she reconciles with her family she decides that she's going to stay in washington heights for a little bit and yeah like that's it it was weird yeah yeah and she just comes out of it like renewed and like ready to do what's next and so like this only existed to rewrite her backstory right exactly to to something worse not great (laughs) yeah like i liked the 
alternate universe, her parents were superheroes thing. Mm-hmm. Making them Earth-based scientists just takes away from the allure of it all. Yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. But also on the bright side, we're not going to spend too much time on Immortal Hulk. Okay. Because this is going to be included in the force read that I make you do. Oh, sure. Yeah. But the three issues revolve around this message of the sense of being alone, basically. Mm. Interesting. The first issue is called Great Power, which, of course, has yes. a tie-in with... Some real Spidey connotations here. With Spider-Man. The next one's called The Threshing Place. Okay. And the next one's called Flatline. Okay. So Great Power deals with... <laughs> Loki decides... <laughs> Loki has has had a stint of trying to be a superhero, but he goes about it all the wrong way. Yeah. So he comes across Hulk and he removes his gamma. And he's like, ha ha, I saved you. Yeah. But the gamma ends up going into Spider-Man because he's equally irradiated and so like naturally oh. attracts to him. Okay. And so Pete starts hulking out and then they involve Fantastic Four. They go to an island to go and deal with it. Point is, mm-hmm. Pete now has an understanding of the rage and uncontrolled this that uh-huh. Bruce goes through and Pete offers to keep it mm. to not make Bruce go through that all the time. Yeah. And Bruce is like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Hulk comes up. He's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I'll be here. He's like, well, holy shit is really lonely. And as night comes up, night is his time. Mm-hmm. So Pete's like, I'll stay with you just as once Bruce. You don't have to be alone when you fade. And Hulk comes out and he's like, what are you doing here, Peter? He's like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) He's like, no, you made everyone forget who you are. Banner forgot, but I don't forget. And he's like, okay. So Banner brought you back. He says, yes. He goes, I wasn't gone, not entirely. I was in the dark screaming, but no one could hear me again. You stayed to be with Banner? Yeah, that's, that's something I can't do. Banner's family, I'd do anything for him, but I can't be with him. I'm glad you were. Hmm. You're a good man, Peter Parker. I'll try to remember that next time we meet. And he like heads off the island. Cool. So this idea of the loneliness that Bruce feels when yeah. you're dealing with all this. The next issue has Bruce confronting this random entity that, or this like place that's doing a whole bunch of like gamma experiments, trying to make large farm foods to mm-hmm. you know end world hunger type shit. But the gamma radiation gets out and it, and it irradiates this little girl Hmm. and she becomes a gamma monster. (laughs) Hulk confronts her and takes her gamma from her, takes away the whole, at least this instance of her monstering out. I say monster because she's definitely not a Hulk. Like her transformation is grotesque. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so... He saves her, finds the science place that they're doing the experiments, enacts revenge on them, takes the girl, her name is Rebecca, takes the girl back to her father, and you know she's passed out. And it's basically Banner and the dad have a conversation, and Banner's like, don't leave her alone, because they're going to come for her now that she's like involved in this whole thing. Yeah. They being like government-type places. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, never leave her alone. And he's mm. like, is that is that what it's like for you? He's like, me? No. At least she'll have you. So mm. point being, 
She has a support group. Interesting. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce does not. Yeah. The next one involves. Oh, the next one. The last issue involves Professor Newland. Okay. She was his professor at college. One of one of his lectures about like the gamma science stuff. So she's gamma related and he remembers her he was like one of her like star students type thing blah blah yeah, blah yeah anyway backstory being after the he's so bruce can sense the gamma on her and is like trying to figure out what's going on she's like yeah after your whole like bomb explosion thing i got brought in as cleanup and so i've been exposed to gamma sure any side effects she's like yeah you could say that she can basically She's she's got like telekinesis basically, huh? For her camera powers, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so she confronts the Hulk, and they just kind of talk, blah blah blah. So she wants to talk to Hulk. She wants to like get rid of the Hulk because of what he's quote unquote done to Bruce. Sure. She's basically like, you know, why are you here? What is going on? What do you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And that's when you get that those two pages that <laughs> I sent over. And yeah, he's yeah. like, listen, all I've cared about is telling Bruce that he's not alone. Yeah. Like I've mm-hmm. been there for so for yeah. those who don't know, Bruce has DID and the first time a, an extra identity formed was the Hulk back when he was a child. Mm-hmm. He has very bad relationship with his parents, and he kind of the second personality of the Hulk was created to be Bruce's friend and be his protector in the hell that was his childhood growing up. So Hulk keeps on trying to tell Bruce, "Listen, I know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Yeah, please don't feel like you're alone." Mm-hmm. Yeah, she acted as an opportunity for Hulk to pass on a message to Bruce to let him know that you know the the gamma is always going to connect them. Yeah, and he's there for him. <sighs> anyway, even going over what the message is, this is still a really good read. The storytelling is just so well done. Yeah, and we talked about like the you know the right the teams for him. Like, there's some talent. Is the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it, like this, if I were hired for a like comic, this is the kind of book that I'd want to be involved in. Like mm-hmm. a bunch of yeah. single issue stories diving into an unspoken message of the character. Yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. I took up a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was it was an interesting week. I don't understand what they're doing with Korvac. Strange Academy is fun. Black Widow is shaping up to be pretty good. Didn't like America Chavez. And Immortal Hulk is Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Hulk, sorry to out myself as browsing a little bit on Twitter while you're talking, but I just saw that William Hurt who played Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU just passed away. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh no. Rest Sorry. in peace. R.I.P. My gosh. Yeah. No way. Yep. 
that's too bad, man. In the, I mean, not MCU's defense, but like they've been doing this Contessa de Fontaine thing mm-hmm. in the background recently. And so like she can do the Thunderbolts and not, oh, well, oh God, <laughs> if they, if he passes, then they can do the, the Thunderbolts in his name. In I his guess. name. Yeah. Yeah. But man. It, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. No one's no one cast in the MCU is supposed to pass away. Like <laughs> ever. Yeah. Characters are supposed to go for like 30 years, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, man, it, that's that's too bad. Yeah. It 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 is interesting, like an actual finite, like human limit to MCU stories that doesn't exist in the comics. Yeah. And it makes me yeah. really curious how they're going to approach, you know, long, long term. Yeah, I mean they've done recastings before, right. but not because the character passed away. Right. Very curious. Very curious. Anyway, sorry I took up so much time. It's all good. I didn't think I was going to, and then but the you had Chavez, six books. The Chavez yeah. book was needed work, and then Korvac had so much random shit. <laughs> okay, so Rob Liefeld reclamation Liefeld. week. And I say Reclamation Week because it's more a... All all the stories this week are really an illustration of how far away these characters have come from their Rob Liefeld roots in the, (laughs) you know, six years since he left Marvel. So we got an arc on Cable here. His arc since Rob Liefeld, you know, just kind of introduced him as a mysterious guy from the future with a robot arm and a big gun and that's it, is Uh like, you know, obviously the whole like son of Cyclops and and Madeline and Messiah from the future type storyline, but also kind of, you know, just humanizing him. And so the current run of Cable is really trying to ground him within the present and the real world. In the last arc where I talked about Cable, which was a while ago, (laughs) he took in this journalist named Irene Merriweather who was investigating a story that he was connected to and her life turned to total shit. And he was like, why don't you become my chronicler and just kind of follow me around and I'll tell you, you know, like all of my story, like, like it it would be kind of, it's, it's kind of outrageous of me to be on this messianic quest and not tell anybody about it. Um, And, and so he, he brings Irene in and she, and, and, you know, she becomes the sort of like human eye, real world, you know, audience perspective on this like insanely difficult and dedicated life of a soldier plus future messiah that Cable has taken on for himself. And so it kind of it it's kind of starting this direction for Cable that would last several years, like leaning into the idea that he's a soldier, but like a human soldier and not just like a mean old guy with a big gun. And so he goes to this diner. He's living in Hell's Kitchen. He goes to this diner and, you know, kind of like strikes up a flirtatious conversation with the waitress there while waiting for Irene to show up. And then, like, as soon as she gets there, he's like, oh, crap, there's something going on in my safe house. He runs into Domino. Somebody put a hit out on Domino with this mercenary named Blockade who's kind of Kind of looks like a mix between Hellboy and the thing. Kind of like red, rocky skin. Very okay. big, very invulnerable. And Cable tracks him back to this book bar where Hydro Man and Stilt Man. And yeah, I looked it up. It is Wilbur. Okay. 
<laughs> they're about to play spades with blockade. They're waiting for their fourth, and Cable comes in, and Hydro Man and Stilt Man just run the fuck away. And big fight. Cable ends up nuking his brain. But, you know, they trash the bar, so, you know, insurance payout for calling in, you know, hey, there was a superhero, superhuman conflict here. S.H.I.E.L.D. gets brought in, so now S.H.I.E.L.D. is once again on his ass. And kind of leaves on sour terms with Domino because she's still got that thing where she doesn't have her powers. The implant in the back of her skull from Operation Zero Tolerance. And then Irene says, by the way, I was at your safe house and I saw some like holographic projection of this bug-eyed dude. And Cable's like, oh shit, Blake Smith. That guy disappeared and like presumed dead a while ago. I like the the relationship between Cable and Blake Smith, by the way. Blake Smith is a very fun character. He's just such a dick. He's just like, we don't have time for all of your bullshit. Come on, you got to go save the world. Like, what do you, yeah, he's what like do a you, grumpy kid. He's so, yes, that's a great way to put it. So, Blake Smith is being held captive in Egypt in the past, captive of Ramatut. And so, there's a big rescue mission, and that's fun. You get in a big fight, and then in the middle of the fight, Cable's powers go out because of an event that's going on in X-Men, which I will get to in a week or two. But anyway, it, it's weird, though, that that's in the past. and Maybe it's not in the past and Ramatut's back. I don't know. It, to be completely honest, I have no idea what was going on in that issue. That's fine. And, okay, so then they go to Greece. They're, you know, back to the present, whatever. Because his powers are out because of this thing that's going on in X-Men, you know, it's like they've been reduced to just a faint glimmer. And they're on this mission to go to the Ascani cult that Chever has been cultivating in the background as he's come back to the present and retrieve an item, which ends up being the scimitar. It's <laughs> scimitar, but spelled but with the PSY. PSI, yeah. So, okay. sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And he walks in and he's like, I'm here for the scimitar. Also, stop worshipping me. This is bullshit. Get on with your lives. And all the disciples are like, he has spoken. He has come to us. <laughs> he has given us direction. Except one guy who's like, really? Seriously? We, were, we did all this and you're just going to cast us aside? Screw you, dude. His name is Caesar, so maybe he'll come back. Uh, and the only other note is that there was a mention of the Twelve in Greece. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always read Blake Smith as Blacksmith. I could see that. So it's it could be pronounced B-L-A-Q-U-E. either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've always pronounced it Blake in my head just to differentiate it from the common word Blacksmith. And quite honestly, it... Uh, it works well on an audio medium like this, where I'm really <laughs> pronouncing the difference in spelling. <laughs> but I, I have no idea whether it's Blacksmith or Blakesmith. Okay. Yeah. Does he show up in X-Men the Animated Series? Not that that's like... No, mate, I don't think so. Because like Cable does. Mm. I just don't know if Smith does. That is a question for the wiki. Not that that's like the end-all be-all of how people's names should be pronounced. <laughs> but like it is an official Marvel source of how someone pronounces it. Yeah. 30 years ago. Right. <laughs> no, it looks like he has never been adapted outside of comics. Damn, not even in a video game. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> as Damn. far as I can okay. tell. 
Yeah. Okay. Deadpool. I've got a big arc on, well, an arc where just a lot of things happen. Okay. So Zoe Culloden takes him to Landau. This is after, so last time we saw Deadpool, he got his ass handed to him by T-Ray in a big, you know, confrontation, nearly died, and he got saved from actual death. Meanwhile, Weasel and Blind Owl were hanging out with behind his back, and he found out. He got really angry. He locked them both in this torture room called The Box in his apartment, <laughs> and he's saved by some weird shenanigans going on around him, which might be Landau, Luckman, or Lake. It might not be. But Zoe Culloden of Landau, Luckman, and Lake, his main contact with the organization, and she's the one who's most convinced of this. Deadpool is the Messiah plot or not Messiah, but some fabled hero that will get, you know, humanity through this time of trouble. They call it the Mithras. So she takes him to Landau Luckman and Lake headquarters to kind of like, you know, interview with the other, the precog who has, has seen this future for him and other sorts of higher ups talk about jobs, et cetera. While he's there, he kind of wanders around, you know, this facility and hijinks ensue. He blows up a guy's head who <laughs> just like, that's what his head does. And then he comes back later and does it again. Okay. He also accidentally releases a big evil science project monster named Doris. And Doris rampages through the base. He's ordered not to kill Doris because it's more valuable than the people he's killing. But he kills it anyway. And then... Overboss Dixon, the you know boss of the situation of the base, in order to save his own ass from higher ups regarding the destruction that happened that ensued, Dixon decides to offer Wade a job rather than take the heat for the failure or something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. Wade gets offered a job. It also turns out that the precog, who's this like gross skeletal zombie-looking kind of dude, he's been hooked up to machines to prolong his life. He, you know, it's it, it's a real grotesque situation. The one who had these visions of, of Deadpool being the Mithras, the fated hero, has gone through some sort of... He, he, they put baffles in, his pl- in place to keep him from being able to know his own future, but he's put some pieces together analytically and figured out that Deadpool is going to be responsible for his death, and he wants to get it over with. And so he's like praying for, you know... Deadpool to cause his death in some sort of way in this situation. It may be that he's lying about this whole plot about Deadpool's destiny oh, in wow. order in order to die. We don't know okay. for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, some dude named Meanwhile. Ajax, <laughs> not to be confused with the Greek Ajax or the Ajax from Peter David's Hulk Pantheon or Ajax the Eternal. <laughs> Right. <laughs> a different Ajax from all of those guys. I think you might know him. I think you might know him better as Abyss Man or Francis Fanny. He was in Deadpool versus Thanos oh, man. a few years back. Okay. But anyway, yeah. he's been killing Weapon X projects and scientists and eventually runs into this Dr. Killabrew, who was a character mm. earlier in the run and tortures Killabrew for Wade's teleportation codes. There's an A in that? I thought it was Killbrew. I know that there there was a baseball player for the Minnesota Twins way back named Harmon Killebrew, and that was pronounced Killebrew and spelled the same. So, oh, interesting. Okay. That's what I have to go on. That's more than me. 
<laughs> K-I-L-L-E-B-R-E-W. Yeah. Oh, there's an E in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine with me. Meanwhile, Deadpool takes, uh, just kind of like is hanging out with uh, Bullseye and he takes a job pro bono without pay and doesn't kill anybody along the way. And they kind of, you know, go through their whole thing together. And Bullseye is killing everybody and Deadpool isn't killing anybody. And at the end of it, Bullseye is like, look, you've lost your game. You're doing a really dangerous thing, which is trying to find yourself. There's no, no room for that as a mercenary. You either have to get out of the game or I'll take you out myself. Ooh. Yeah. And also, meanwhile, <laughs> there's meanwhile. this there's this subplot with Blind Out, right? Where after getting out of the box, she's been she hasn't been her normal, like sarcastic self. She's been okay. just really like, you know, making him dinner and folding his laundry and just trying to, to like, yes, master, of course, master, anything master. And he, it's driving him fucking crazy. He hates it. He's so angry and he just wants his friend back. But like, he's such an asshole that his friend is somebody who he's imprisoned in his apartment. And it's a really interesting way to show his, you know, eventual like slow transformation. And eventually this whole situation with bullseye and grease and, some other things that are going on is leading to believe that, you know what, he actually does need to be a better person. He has another encounter with Landau Luckman and Lake, and he's like, you know what, like, I'm probably not this Mithras, this fated hero, but I can at least not be an asshole to my friends. And so he goes to Blind Al and he's like, listen, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, please, you know, take me back, be my friend again. And you know what? You're, if you want to, you're a free woman. So he's about to send set her free when Ajax activates Deadpool's teleporter and sends Wade to where Ajax is in the Swiss Alps. And as Wade materializes, Ajax punches over, punches him off a cliff, and Wade hits the ground and dies and is visited by death. Oh. And after a number of other flashbacks, we get to a flashback in a place called Hospice, which is allegedly a facility for helping failed super soldiers and like treat, you know, all the shit that they've been through, but is actually being used for experiments by Dr. Killebrew to prolong life, the lives of people there in a process so torturous that everyone there wants to die. So it's kind of a twist on the movie origin. He gets the name Deadpool there because all the patients are trying to die and wager on it. And he gets his, the nickname for himself, Deadpool, because the odds are, of his death are so low because he's Killebrew's favorite subject. Hmm. And it turns out this is where he first met Ajax, this guy who's going around killing all these people. Ajax worked there as an attending nurse, and in one of the torture sessions, Wade saw death for the first time then, and death was like, oh, I'm surprised you can see me. You know what? I have plans for you. And from this conversation, Wade surmises that his chances of death will come from Ajax. So he starts trying to egg him on and ridiculing for his real name, which is Francis. This blows up into a big conflict and Wade's friend Worm dies. And eventually Wade kills Ajax, but, you know, it's Killebrew's lab. So Killebrew ends up, instead of letting him fully die, it makes him functionally immortal. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. My only frame of reference for 
90s comic book storytelling as you. So I'm under the impression <laughs> that 90s comic books are bad. But this yeah. is some interesting backstory. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Cool. <laughs> and so we're back to the present and the ghosts of all of Wade's friends from hospice who were killed by Ajax and Wade's feud with Ajax are appearing to Wade and egging him on to kill Ajax so that they can find peace, even though Wade's been trying to not kill anymore, et cetera, et cetera. So Wade turns down death, gets back into his body, goes to confront Ajax, and then he tracks down Killebrew and also ends up in this woman's like chateau or whatever, ski lodge. She's been kind of trying to run away from the world. And so they... The three of them go on the run together. They're pursued by Ajax. Finally, they get down to actually fighting. Killebrew sacrifices his own life to distract Ajax in the middle of battle, and that lets Deadpool have enough time to recover. Slices some of the cybernetics in his leg, in Ajax's leg, and then slips him down some uh, ice into a frozen lake, which shatters and the live wires in his leg fry Ajax. And so that's the end of the conflict. And Wade's like, fuck, I had to kill somebody. I was trying so hard not to. This sucks. Like, and and kind of comes away from it on a really down note. Like the things that I want and the things that I intend for myself do not matter. Like that's not the the what the world or life has in store for me. Like I'm not really in charge of anything. And you know, I'm I'm just never gonna get anything that I want. And all of Wade's friends are spirits and like, wait, why, why weren't we released by this? It turns out that Killebrew gets to move on because he actually did something to redeem himself. Despite being this absolute monster in life, he sacrificed himself to save other people. And so he gets to find peace and the rest of them don't. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then there was also, at the end of this, just a random Deadpool team-up, number one. Just, like, side issue. And it starts with Deadpool in the 80s, in the middle of the Secret Wars 2 event. So, post-Weapon X, he has his healing factor, but he's not a merc on his own yet. He's taking jobs from Kingpin. Kingpin hires him to go assassinate the Beyonder. <laughs> okay. And the Beyonder's like... This is ridiculous. Nah. You're no. <laughs> and like kind of splatters him a little bit. And some of his DNA gets recovered. And it turns out that before this, quite a while before this, Wade was oh, sorry, the DNA gets recovered by some, you know, unknown person. Turns out that way before this, before Healing Factor, before Weapon X, before cancer, but Wade was still a mercenary. He was hired by some crime boss called The Boss in Japan to infiltrate this sumo trainers, you know, organization who did jobs for for the Yakuza or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stay there until the time was right to put the hit down. You know, if, if anything ever happened, if the guy was you know, ever disloyal or whatever to, to go ahead and kill. So Wade stays there for a long time. He becomes a sumo wrestler. He gets outrageously fat. He falls in love with the daughter of the 
you know, main dude, the trainer guy who he's supposed to kill. And then the the job comes in to kill the trainer. And he's like, I can't do this. And he just leaves. And so it turns out that it was the those yeah, same Yakuza guys who recovered Wade's DNA when he went to kill the Beyonder. And they make a clone of Deadpool, except it's like two feet tall. <laughs> they call it Whittle, Whittle Wade. Wow. And so... Okay. <laughs> so some shenanigans ensue where he's contacted by the same Yakuza boss as, as who contracted him before, but instead of kill the sumo guy, he has to protect him. There's another assassin out for... The, uh, the sumo guy, and it is Whittle Wade, who was being trained for this job and then was told that it wouldn't be necessary and went off on his own, you know, because he's developed this hatred, just blah, 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 blah. So Deadpool, you know, has to fight Whittle Wade and confront all of these issues of his past at the same time and eventually has to kill Whittle Wade. And that's kind of the end of the story. Also, I usually don't read there's because I have these digital versions, they have the letter columns scanned Mm -hmm. and I usually don't read them, but I was skimming through one of them and the artist on the comic proposed to his girlfriend in the pages of the letter column. Oh, I thought that was cool. That is very cool. So it's also very assumptive. I know right? she's going to read the letter column. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. That's a, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yep. On the subject of, of Wade. Yeah. I'm not misremembering that we talked about the fact that Wade Wilson is not his real name, right? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. There's some doubt there. Okay. I talked about that on my on my Twitch. Yeah. Blew people's minds. Yeah. Dude, it was so much fun. I've been doing that nonstop for the last like week. <laughs> I was building a Lego Iron Man and chat was like, well, tell us a random fact about Iron Man that you don't think very many people know. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> Howard and Maria, not his biological parents. Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So other people whose real names we don't know, Wade Wilson, we don't know his real name. They're like, what? I was like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Logan is not Logan's real name. It's James Howlett. Most people know that one. Yeah. Forge doesn't have an established real fucking name. So, you know, put that in your (laughs) pipe and smoke it. (laughs) There's like, what? Anyway, I wanted to make sure because we're not a hundred percent. We're not a hundred percent on Rogue's real name either. Oh, Anna Maria. Anna Marie is not I mean, essentially her real name. It is her last name, right? She's gone by oh. like Anna. I guess now it's Anna Marie LeBeau, right? Because she's right. married. Yeah. But her her name before that. What's her maiden name? Yeah, because like we have no idea. She's gone by Anna Marie Darkholm or Anna Marie Raven. Right. But yeah, Mystique was her adopted mother. Yeah. Or, or not even adopt, like, surrogate, like, after, you know, many years. Like, it, it wasn't a formal huh. adoption. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she was already a teenager at that point. Oh, wow. Another yeah. one. <laughs> oh. 
these are such big names. I know, and right? They've had so much screen time. I know. It's so strange. We didn't even know Rogue's first name. We didn't know she was named Anna Marie until like 2000. She'd yeah, been a character true. for almost 20 years by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Gods. Oh, man. Like, and even like, we just accepted Logan. Right. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And then Eric and Magnus people will be Ledger. like, is that a first name or a last name? And we're like, yeah. And they're just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the revelation of Mike's, Max Eisenhart. Yeah. I think, I feel like they did that because they wanted him to have like a, a real strong Jewish name. And yeah, not for sure. Magnus Lyncher. Yeah. But fine. Works mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Watch, watch like, watch Charles Xavier not be his like birth name <laughs> <laughs> or something. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. I've got one. I've got one more book. Yeah. Here. Sorry. One yeah. More, it's one okay. More. X-Force. <laughs> So, I've said before, I think X-Force is my favorite book in these 1998s that I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's in a really solid run. It's got good style. It's got a cast of characters who are being explored really well. And it's hitting an interesting niche of superhero characters. First of all, they they don't do a whole lot of superheroing right now. <laughs> They're mostly road tripping, Right. And so there's a lot of downtime for, to explore them out of the tights. I, they haven't even worn their costumes in ages. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they're not like young teenagers anymore, right? And so like the difference between this and like Generation X, it's it's not who am I? It's more like how do I fit into the world around me? And so they're they're really out into the world in a way that so many superheroes aren't. And it's really cool. They go to this town where all of the kids are, like, not mutants, but mutated from, you know, or maybe they are mutants, but it's because of nuclear tests that happened there. It's it's in a town in northern New Mexico, which I have some, you know, familiarity with, so <laughs> uh-huh. have some real affinity for that. town is called Almost Reno. <laughs> wow. And there's this little girl with psychic powers who, you know, drops a bunch of people and, and eventually S.H.I.E.L.D. comes. And they She drops a bunch of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And the main revelation... Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nostalgic. I S.H.I.E.L.D. Know. doesn't exist right now. Okay. And it still, still stands for Strategic Hazard Intervention Espionage Logistics Directorate. But anyway... Directorate. Division made more, so know. much more sense. It turns out that Danny is... You know, because she was very recently a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent tasked with infiltrating the Mutant Liberation Front. She's still, like, uh, an inactive member. She hasn't been removed completely. So on the payroll? Not on the payroll, but they still consider her an asset, just not one that they're using. Okay. And so, yeah, it's all being covered up. And Tabitha has a really strong... Boom, boom. Although she's going by meltdown these days. And she's just, like... She has the most 1998 fashion sense imaginable, just like crop tops and low-rise jeans constantly and just midriff 100% of the time. But anyway, she's having a really tough reaction to this whole thing because this this little mutant kid who, with the psychic powers who dropped all these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, you know, is being bullied a lot and 
Tabitha says, when I was a little girl, I used to pray for school to let out early. The other kids, Bobby, they were, then I'd go home and I'd, I'd go home and my father would be waiting for me and I'd pray for school to start again. Sorry, I'm such a handful, Bob, because she and Roberto are, you know, starting up this romance after they started making out, even though she was technically dating Sam at the time, drama, Mm. drama, drama, et cetera. And so, yeah, she has this nice uh, conversation with the little mutant girl. They're like, "Uh, she's getting a handle on the telepathy, not the mutant thing. No one ever does. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and then they drive they drive off to the next adventure. They go to visit Skids at Col- Colorado University Boulder. And Danny continues on to Denver or near just outside of Denver to where her parents are. And she gets some some good parent time. So everyone else is hanging out with Skids. And so Rusty died a little while back. They were both members of the Acolytes. Okay. They got brainwashed, et cetera, et cetera. And Rusty got real stuck in it. And so he joined the Acolytes. And then when Holocaust from Age of Apocalypse attacked, it was floating around in space, made contact with Avalon. He attacked, destroyed Avalon. Rusty died in that. And so Skids is like, I don't want to have anything to do with mutant anything. Like, it's I miss you guys. It's really good to see you. But can we just not, like, talk about powers or, like, you know, our time with the new mutants or anything like that? Like, let's just be people. Like, I'm kind of trying to keep a low profile on this whole thing and just be a college student. But, of course, that never happens. <laughs> Locus from the Mutant Liberation Front and Rainfire are going around. And Rainfire... Kind of mentioned Sounds like him a last. transformer name. <laughs> Do you know who Rainfire is? I don't. <laughs> okay. We're going to go all the way deep through Rainfire's backstory in this. So let me take some time here. So Rainfire, sure. Rainfire was the leader of the Mutant Liberation Front after Strife died. Okay. And he just kind of popped up out of nowhere. He looked exactly like Bobby, except with a jerry curl. And it was just assumed that he was Sunspot because no one seen Sunspot for a long time. Sunspot, he he went to take over his family's business after his dad died. He was being mentored by Gideon, the external with the green Mm -hmm. ponytail. He was subjected to some weird experiments. He disappeared for a while. The experiments were supposed to increase his powers. He disappeared for a while and then Rainfire started showing up. And there had been a lot of shit in the, like, since the very early days of the New Mutant run that, like, we have to keep an eye on these kids because, like, we could be training the next evil mutant. Right. And it was always Sunspot who they're like, man, he has the biggest potential to go evil out of all of them with his anger and his arrogance and his affluenza, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, Rainfire starts showing up and claims to be Bobby and is leading the Mutant Liberation Front. And so everyone just assumes that it's Bobby. Eventually, in a fight, Cable, like, psychically, you know, attacks Rainfire and seemingly turns him back into Bobby. And so, you know, implants a bunch of Ascani stuff into Bobby's head so that he doesn't revert again to this Rainfire persona and we consider all of this 
hunky-dory and resolved for about 20 issues or so. I feel like yeah. it's worth asking, is this Rainfire R-A-I-N or no. R-E-I-G-H-N? Or R-E-I-G-N, sorry. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. So that's the whole backstory on Rainfire. But Rainfire is going around. First, he is like attacking members of the DaCosta company, like killing board members and things like that. Then he kidnaps all the members of X-Force. And Skids gets thrown in for the, the ride as well. Attacks them. Skids has to sort of out herself as a mutant in public. In the course of the fight, they all get kidnapped back to Rainfire's sort of lair in this um, unfinished casino in Las Vegas. And, you know, like still under construction. And so blah, blah, blah. They fight. They get free. In the middle of the fight, Locus tries to te- teleport Skids, but Skids force field makes like energy powers kind of wonky go go awry and so they end up like thousands of miles away in some snowy area and at the very end some guy is like appears petting a cat we don't see his face and he's like this is very interesting (laughs) some inspector gadget doctor exactly yes 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 okay (laughs) the claw that's his name the claw Claw. yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) yes so anyway The rest of X-Force was being held captive in Las Vegas. They break out, big fight. Rainfire is like, I'm going to blow up all of Las Vegas and everyone will, you know, this will show something, something, mutants, supremacy, something, something. And then this dude, Dr. Joshua, comes out of fucking nowhere. I mean, he's been established. He gets established at the start of the book and he's like, or, or the issue He's like, oh shit, Rainfire is out. I don't know how he knows, but sure. And so <laughs> he gets in his, he get, grabs this giant gun that's a, called a molecular disruptor and he gets in his fucking car and drives down to Las Vegas and gets there just in time to fucking pelt Rainfire with this molecular disruptor. Okay. It's a little silly. Turns out that Rainfire... So we're seeing Rainfire and Sunspot separate from one another, right? This whole time we're like, that's not supposed to happen. That's different from what we were led to believe. And it's been happening for a few issues now, so we're kind of used to it, I suppose. But it turns out that when Bobby was, you know, getting experimented on under the wing of Gideon to increase his powers... Dr. Joshua was the scientist there. And another one of the subjects was called like Project 19. And that was Rainfire. Okay. And Rainfire was just like a little puddle of protoplasm that they said, you know, after the unfortunate circumstances of his birth. And I can only imagine how truly gross that was. But anyway... (laughs) It's just truly really gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this little puddle of black protoplasm and it was doing really poorly. It was kind of like it had like some sort of psychic powers, but they couldn't really figure out how to nurture it, how to save it, whatever. And so they it was a mutant, by the way, like born of humans. And so they introduced some of Bobby's cells in there. I don't know why. They're just like, maybe this will work, whatever. And this Project 19, this protoplasm, latched onto it, built up 
body that was basically identical to Bobby's. And through this kind of developed a psychic connection to Bobby. And so most of the time when Rainfire appeared, it was this other body. But the last time <laughs> it was okay. it was controlling actual Bobby through the psychic connection. And that's why they recovered real Bobby from that encounter. And that's also why Cable's telepathy helped. So, okay. Yeah. So this is an outrageous, I don't know why they decided to dig this up and tell this story. It It's all a bit outrageous, but I, I like just about everything else about, you know, this book right now. So I'm willing to let it slide. <laughs> so yeah, then the rainfire protoplasm, it can't hold on to its own body. So it just latches on to Bobby's and they become one again. Then blah, 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 big fight. Bobby rainfire is conflicted. Bobby takes control. They hit it with the protoplasm, breaks free. And Bobby like absorbs all of his powers back from rainfire. And hopefully that ends it. I'm trying to see. I don't. I didn't write down in my notes what the final fate of the rainfire protoplasm is. Yeah, it's not really shown. It, it kind of just disappears at when um, Bobby sucks his powers back. Because the whole thing is like Berto's powers are about absorbing like heat and solar energy, mm-hmm. and so rainfire was able to absorb all of Bobby's powers. And so Bobby does the same thing back to the Rainfire protoplasm. Interesting. I think Rainfire ends up, oh, Rainfire ends up in shield custody at the end of it. That's what happens. And so meanwhile. (laughs) Meanwhile. The DaCosta company, because Rainfire was, you know, attacking all of them, they put a hit out on Roberto and he goes in to headquarters to, you know, now that this whole thing is sorted out to try and clear the air on everything. And it seems like it's going to be a really dangerous situation for him, but it turns out that the people that they hired were heroes of hire or heroes for hire. So Misty, Danny, Luke, and Colleen. And they're just like, yeah, this is, you know what? This is fine. Everything's good. Berto is just kind of chilling. He's like, I'm not rain fire. It appears we're no, uh, one of the company goons says, appears we're no longer in danger. They come to a settlement that Bobby gets access to a smallish by his standards stipend and agrees to leave company business until he's 25. And because the company's set up in San Francisco, the team takes up shop there as well. He starts acting more arrogant again. Tabby thinks she liked him better without all his money. And he surprises the team with tickets to go take a vacation in Hawaii. And that's where we're st- we'll start the next run. couple other things now that we're done. I'm just really, really enjoying just the characterization of, of Tabitha. Mm. <laughs> she, she got rewritten pretty heavily in the whole Warren Ellis next wave thing, turning her into right. you know, the total airhead. And she was a pretty complex, delicate, damaged working class woman before with a rough history and, you know, having been homeless and abused by her addict father, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this one exchange while Rainfire is 
possessing Bobby's body and right they're dating although they're having troubles and in in one of the issues she has this nightmare where she's on Jerry Springer well not actually Jerry Springer it's like Gary Singer or something right and you know confronting Sam and Bobby about this whole thing and it being a big nightmare but anyway so she kind of tells Bobby like I need some space I need to figure this out I you know and he's like whatever peace like you don't want me. I don't want you. But this whole crisis is seen, you know, making them be more honest about their feelings with one another. And so when Rainfire takes control, he's like, don't delude yourself into thinking that your relationship with Bobby means anything, girl. He doesn't love you. And then there's Bobby's text box saying, that's not true. And then Rainfire says he's incapable of loving anyone but himself. And then coming from the same person, but different lettering. And Bobby says, you're lying. <laughs> And then this is the interesting part. He says, Dear Tabitha, you try so hard to be a good girl, don't you? But I know the truth about you. I know what you did when you were a runaway, living on the streets of New York, scared, vulnerable. Tabitha says, you don't know anything about me. And he says, you're so wrong. Every memory Bobby holds is mine, including all the intimacies and confidences that you and he shared. You'll never beat me because you're unwilling to do what it takes. You don't want to kill again, do you? With the emphasis on again. She says, maybe not, but that doesn't mean I won't play dirty. And she puts a time bomb down his pants. Oh, no. <laughs> He's like, you wouldn't. Yeah. She says, try me. Yeah, that was that was a good, Interesting. good moment. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So with Tabitha, for those who don't know, yeah. she makes these little like sphere mm-hmm. explosives. Yes. And that's her mutant power. Yes. So. I've been under the impression that she can't control when they explode. No, she she they're they're time bombs. She she tends to tick down like three, two, one, or tick tick boom. Yeah, yeah. Her like her like slogan is basically yeah. tick tick boom. Yeah. And whenever she says boom, they go off. But like I always thought for some reason she couldn't control when they exploded. It was just like she creates them and they're going to explode <laughs> at some point. No, I think it's she can definitely have a long delayed re- release. It's one of the things that like under control of her mutant powers that she has learned to do. And she can also mm. dissolve them before they blow up. No. Cool. I think. <laughs> There's a lot to remember. <laughs> yeah. But they tend to never go off immediately, which is good because then, you know, she'd blow herself up. Blow her hand off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if I remembered correctly or not mm-hmm. that she couldn't control that. Yeah. So last thing for this run of X-Force. This is just also just an example of, you know, some of the writing style and, and the tone of the book. There's a bunch of editorial captions in issue 78 of X-Force Fun Facts. And I wanted to read them all for you because I think you might get a kick out of them. Please do. The first one, X-Force Fun Fact. While many superhero groups are funded by the government or wealthy patrons, the, X-Force, uh, the members of X-Force refuse to sell out. Consequently, they're broke. <laughs> Next one. X-Force Fun Fact. James Proudstar's breakfast consists of whole grain cereal, fruit, and non-fat milk. X-Force Fun Fact. Sally's non-fat milk. Non-fat Come milk. On, <laughs> Who are you fooling? Okay. X-Force Fun Fact. Sally Skids Blevins is currently majoring in bioscience. Her GPA is, is a respectable 3.8. X-Force Fun Fact. The New Mutants at one time consisted of Sunspot, Richter, Skids, Rusty, Cannonball, Boom Boom, and Cypher. 
X-Force fun fact. When he was 15, Roberto da Costa made the, the cover of the equivalent uh, uh, of the Brazilian equivalent of Tiger Beat. The accompanying article revealed the qualities that Bobby most wanted in a girlfriend were spontaneity and a sense of humor. X-Force fun fact. Oh, so this is, he goes into the shower because he thinks that Tabby is showering, and it turns out it's Siren. Barges in on her, and she just, like, you know, uses her scream. And, Screams. Yeah. <laughs> busts, busts the door down with him flying through it. X-Force fun fact. Statistics prove that most home accidents occur in the bathroom. <laughs> X-Force fun fact. Teresa Rourke sings top 40 hits from the 1970s in the shower. Her current favorite, Rock the Boat by the Hughes Corporation. X-Force fun fact. S.H.I.E.L.D. Commander G.W. Bridge refused to process Danny's res- resignation from the agency. Her status is currently listed as inactive. X-Force fun fact. No one in X-Force has ever been enrolled in college. However, in her freshman year of high school, a guidance counselor advised Tabitha to consider cosmetology school. Tabitha was suspended for her colorful response to the counselor. <laughs> X-Force not so fun fact. Bobby is not having any fun. <laughs> X-Force fun fact. Of all the X-Men and X-Force members, only Teresa and Henry McCoy knew how to operate the Xavier Institute latte machine. The machine was later confiscated by Bastion when his zero-tolerance troops occupied the estate. <laughs> X-Force fun fact. The odds that an ordinary person will be abducted as repeatedly as the average mutant are astronomically low. <laughs> Solid. Okay. And this is there's an aside where he's playing soccer with a bunch of randoms. So X-Force fun fact, before he left Brazil to attend the Xavier Institute, Bobby was being groomed by his coaches for his native country's Olympic team. Nice. X-Force fun fact, Tabitha was kicked out of four different high schools before she dropped out compl- uh, completely. Consequently, she doesn't like schools. <laughs> X-Force not so fun fact, Rainfire wants to hurt Bobby before he kills him. Checks out. Yep. And that's it. Fun. Dude, I yeah. love those little things. Yeah. As you as you knew. But yes. like, just like non-consequential. There doesn't have to be a story based around this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, this personality quirk. Or hey, this person did this in the past. I don't know if you care, but here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's oh, it's good fun. character development, especially with they're they're really going hard. It's funny because they have in the last like five issues they've cameoed <laughs> they've cameoed so many former members former members Skids, Richter, Shatterstar, Domino, Cable, Karma, and Cannonball. Uh, did I say Cannonball? Um, okay, yeah, Cable, Karma, Cannonball, Richter. Skids, Shatterstar, and Domino. That's seven mm-hmm. former members who have been cameoed in the last like five issues. But it works. They make it work. Mm-hmm. And despite that, they go really deep on the internalities and the sort of, you know, character development for this core cast that they're keeping around. Yeah. I miss Shield. <laughs> Interesting. And like, I think. I think I blame Winter Soldier Hmm. for having the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. in MCU as the disbandment of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 616. Well, you know they're going to bring back MCU S.H.I.E.L.D. once 
Contessa Valentina's plans reach fruition. They're going to need to have a restored shield as the only thing that can fight it, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe. Probably. Sure. But like, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess what I liked about shield is it was the top. Mm -hmm. Like now it's a department of the CIA. Right. That's doing stuff. And like you you don't just, have the same like when it when it's a UN body, you don't have the same nationalistic politics that are sort of like causing moral doubt on it. Mm-hmm. And I blame Nick Fury. Like <laughs> when Fury was the head of Shield, he yeah. got shit done. Yeah. And he was the reason why Shield was still around. True. Secret war happens. He goes into hiding. Yep. And you have Maria Hill taking over. Mm-hmm. She couldn't do it well. Tony Stark takes over. Secret Invasion happens. He falls from grace. Norman Osborn takes over after Secret Invasion. Dismantles Shield, creates Hammer. <laughs> he falls from grace and siege. Steve Rogers takes over a new Shield. He doesn't like not being Captain America, gives it back to Maria Hill. <laughs> it trades hands between... And then, and then there's this period of, like, Maria Hill is the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., but then she has, like, four director ports who are, like, acting directors being, like, Quake and Black Fury. Yeah. And there's just no... There's no longer, like, a central head, it feels like. Yeah. And then Pleasantville happens with so avenger standoff mm-hmm. which is like the final public eye straw of the camel's back that is shield yeah. and so in response to the backlash of standoff they dismantle shield they take it apart and mm-hmm. now all of those x shield agents get absorbed into different existing u.s government departments primarily cia uh-huh and then so like yeah exactly ju- but like cia doesn't have an established level one through ten uh-huh. clearance known for its tech and spy stuff yeah like i don't it's just i feel like there's something missing from storytelling when you don't have a fictional agency like shield mm-hmm I can see that. And I just I just miss it. And it could just be because I grew up on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, when you have all the like Spider-Man animated series where you have S.H.I.E.L.D. being a player mm-hmm. and all the Marvel-based video games have S.H.I.E.L.D. Totally. as like yep. the source of either Strife, not the character Strife, Strife <laughs> and I, or... Yeah. <laughs> Or how you get your new tech that's not from Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I just, I, I miss it. I feel you. And I can only assume that they decided to get rid of it because the MCU doesn't have it. I could see that. That's the that's the only thing I can think of. And it's the same thing with MCU. Like not having S.H.I.E.L.D., you just have like random people from random departments of the government. Right, yeah. Instead of, like, having the authority of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh-huh. You've got your, like, well, Sitwell's dead, but, like, Agent Wu and mm-hmm. other players just 
they don't have the same authority. They 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 made it so that you can have like the bumbling government man idiot, yeah, and not like an agent with just weight behind their badge anymore. <laughs> yeah, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, no, I feel you for sure. The whole like yeah, world authority structure is much more muddy and subject to whatever the hell the writers feel like doing rather than some sort mm-hmm. of consistent. Especially because you can never have the president on panel. It's always <laughs> a shaded figure. Yeah. Just in case you're reading this in a different presidency. Mm-hmm. So like you, you can't have a head of the weight. <laughs> it's true. Anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you what do you got for next week? Next episode, my first book is Fantastic Four. It's only five issues, but it's a thick book. But the title is The Bride of Doom. Okay. And I'm very interested in that. Because yeah. we have in Doom's title, we had that woman who he married in the alternate universe and then created universal peace Mm -hmm. so on and so forth but like because of the visions he was having he tried to go meet that woman she's from Simcaria she's a scientist but like she will have nothing of it so curious if they're gonna go with that from Dr. Doom's title into the Fantastic Four title next book is Conan which I believe is gonna be the last Conan book that I get. Oh, interesting. You, you, you're done with it? Well, it's all just, I wanted to get some of the Conan books that came out because they're establishing Conan's past because yeah, totally. he's now on Savage Avengers in right. 616. I have an idea of who he is. Sure. Yeah. Every single book is him surviving the gauntlet and being a warrior. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we we get the gist of what this story yeah. is about. Yeah. And then last book ended with him getting kidnapped <laughs> and him trying to get rid of that sword that possesses people, which is basically like the ebony blade from Black okay. Knight. Yeah. And so this is a this is the book two. I'm hoping this is the end of this like run. So yeah. I feel okay dropping it. Nice. <laughs> okay. And then there's just some other heavy titles coming up that I'm ex- excited about. Cool. How about you? I've got some X-Man, some X-Men, and Uncanny. And I might throw some Generation X in there as well. Cool. I was talking in another streamer's chat about how you have this theory, this like thing about when talking about characters' origins... You have the cardinal three things that you're supposed to avoid. <laughs> it's clones, time travel, and alternate realities. And <laughs> X-Man is all three. <laughs> He's just the worst origin story possible. Uh-huh. But anyway, I, just, I was representing you in, on Thank Twitch you. the other day. Uh, I appreciate it, bud. Anything also, else? we have oh, a new listener. Oh, we do? They got super intrigued. Well, I, I hope so. Because... They popped into my Twitch, talking about comics. They're having a great time. And then I had mentioned our podcast. And they're like, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. And then I did the command. 
which linked to our page, our Hype is My Superpower page. He says, he, they said that he liked my energy, and so he's definitely going to check out Again. So Welcome to hi, all of our new... stranger. Hope yeah. you got to this episode at some point. Awesome. I totally forget what the screen name was, but it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. They know it's them. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, right. that was a lot of fun. That was fun. I guess we're just going to, I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to talk about. Huh? So because of that, we're just going to put the outro music here. <laughs> and I'm going to see you see Quotes we get. <laughs> Nips, don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do like America. Maybe first and maybe last. <laughs> yeah, I like America. Wow.